0: Official 40 from soonerscoop.com featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuiston along with videographer Eddie Radosovich. It's the unofficial 40 on soonerscoop.com.
1: All right, welcome back Carrie Murdoch and uh, many, many more. More than ever, it's time for another unofficial 40 here on the sooner Scoop podcast and uh we are going to welcome in a new member. Well, I think we've had him on the phone before. He's never been in studio. And I'm sorry uh Josh and Eddie, but uh I'm re- all I could really think when that intro was going on was damn it, now I have to pay the big voice guy again if we're going to continue doing this. But uh, Bob Presbillo joins us, the man who needs more vowels in his name. I'm here. I'm we need
2: we need Costa the uh,
1: yeah, we need a intro production value. Like someone, let's give the big voice guy Bob's name but not tell him how to pronounce it and <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> do that. That would be that Bob would be an adventure.
2: It, it it would probably turn out about how he said Radosovich, So that would be uh
3: that would yeah, be something yeah. good. Two most common are Prizibilo and Prizibilo.
1: <laughs> I like Prizibilo. Prez, I, I kind of like that one. Here we go. This Ooh, is uh, this is what happens when you give the big voice guy uh, names without a pronunciation guide. Just a second,
0: Eddie Radosovich.
1: <laughs> it happens, and Eddie liked that for a long time. He refused to have it changed. Well, Wasn't too bad. I've heard it said. I've heard it wor- said worse, and a lot worse. Uh, we welcome in Josh McQuestion as well on a podcast that was demanded by the public. to Happen, so we're doing it. When the pu- when I say public, I mean Eddie.
2: Just giving the people what they want, Carrie.
1: That's all we do here. There was a thread here for the subscribers. There was a thread Saturday night
3: asking for the emergency pod,
1: and I told Eddie every time we do one of these emergency pods, everybody's like, "Do a pod, do a pod," and it's like half the numbers. So you people better download this. And thing. as
2: I said, it it's a historic weekend. They're coming off of a historic weekend. I'm expecting yeah. historic downloads as well. So what Carrie's
0: right. telling you all is, you have no
1: one to blame but your
0: damn selves.
1: If we don't ever do an emergency <laughs> podcast again,
2: correct. I will start slitting throats on the board if there's <laughs> if
1: this thing is not
2: downloaded at least a hundred thousand times.
1: It's nice to have Bob in studio because he can see he can see the Eddie in full uh, regale. Get, this is it. You, you got your sideways <laughs> hat going today. It's not sideways. Yeah, it is. Sideways. It was. It Pretty was crooked. straight. Uh, so anyway, coming off of, as Eddie said, a historic and historic weekend. Why is it and? Why is it? I don't know. I it wrong. I, I, say, I say sooner scoop. We refuse to use and historic. We go a historic. How about that? Oh, uh. it's like Bob and I say, yeah, differently. Like he uh, uses historic. Y.E.A. and I use Y.E.A.H. But there's really no you can do it either way. I think yay is Y.E.A. That's how I, when I read it, I, y- I read it as yay. Y-A-Y. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it'd be Y-A-Y to me. Yeah, I guess, I guess yeah could be, it's either way. I choose to use the H. I'm like an old Barry Trammell. Now, Barry Trammell would only use an historic. Like, he would never do a historic. Guaranteed. Anyway, I'm, I'm moving on before Eddie tries to disparage Barry Tram. I, I, I was just going to say, he's probably never come on a podcast, so... He, he's, you want me to call him right now? I could text him right now, and he would come on the podcast. Because he's a nice guy. Yeah, let's do it. Let's pop his cherry. <laughs> he does podcasts all the time for News Okay. Yeah, but, I'm not man. sure there's ever been a phrase an,
0: exclusive, a name
1: exclusive More uncomfortable in this podcast <laughs> Yeah, I know Eddie's just taking us right to the gutter <laughs> <laughs> We have so much to talk about Let's Eddie put some so... band-aids on and stop bleeding, let's go <laughs> But it was a massive recruiting rate. Now, Bob and Josh uh, The recruiting gurus Of Soonerscoop.com In your wildest dreams You could have said, okay, maybe they get What's the highest number? Let's start with you, Josh What's the highest number you thought could be possible this weekend of commitments?
0: Well, last week we talked about it and I thought four was probably the number they'd hit. I thought five was what you're hoping for. And anything beyond that seemed just kind of ridiculous to even believe. So to get six plus a grad transfer, it's just I mean, I, I don't I don't want to speak for Bob, but for me that I never I don't think I could have said that with a straight face.
3: I looked at it as five, as the magical number, and I didn't think they were going to hit that. The thing was, I think we all felt pretty confident about Theo Weiss, RJ Henderson, Jamal Morris. After that, it became, okay, how are things going to work? And we'll talk more about this, but I give a lot of credit to Theo and RJ because by doing it Friday afternoon, they set the tone for the rest of the weekend. If they wait till Sunday afternoon, like most kids normally do, like at the end of their visit, this isn't a seven-commit weekend. But when you do it Friday, almost right as you get there, all those dominoes start to fall because everyone was enjoying that. Vibe. Yeah, do you think that that
1: was was that had to be planned, planned by the yeah. staff? Like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to set the tone of the weekend. As soon as you guys step foot on campus, you commit. You think I, that, that I can was the honestly
0: plan? say I've talked to Theo. I asked him that question. Was this orchestrated? It was absolutely orchestrated. That that was the plan all along.
2: That is just another example of it seems like there being levels to what Lincoln Riley is trying to (laughs) put together. I mean, that – because it did. It it built up – it went from Friday afternoon from thinking, okay, this is going to be a huge weekend. Let's see what they can do to thinking, okay, they already got two five-stars, and it's 4 o'clock
1: on Friday. And what if you're – I mean, like, what is going through the casual OU fan's head right now? Not just the casual fan, but the recruitnik, the guy that has gotten so used to saying, well – probably won't get any recruits because they're telling us four. <laughs> that probably means you won't get any. And then you get seven. Maybe more. We don't know. Well, maybe we kind of know. Uh, but, I mean, to be here and to be that school now that other people are pissed off at, and like, how the hell are they doing this? A&M being one with the, the real New Wave 19 stuff that started last night, which was kind of entertaining to follow. A lot of those guys,
2: I'm sure, are having to have wrist surgery this afternoon because it was a busy weekend for him.
3: (laughs) Well, that's one thing I've actually... Explain that, Eddie. (laughs)
2: uh, That's a masturbation joke.
3: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I was trying to move on, but but that is something that I actually wrote.
1: You just made it really
3: creepy. right, is that when Riley says it's a big weekend, you need to listen because it was the champion barbecue. It was homecoming with Texas Tech. And now it's this one. And when he's building it up, this isn't going to fall flat on its face. So it definitely, the, ex, the the expectations are going to be changing.
2: You might have put it into perspective, Kerry, on Friday when you said, at no point in Bob Stoops' 19 years did schools accuse Oklahoma of cheating. <laughs> Anyone outside the Big 12. Yeah, yeah. outside of the Big 12. (laughs) TCU fans are always like cheaters. And Friday afternoon, it was like... An SEC fan, no
1: less. What are they doing? (laughs) A South Carolina fan from the SEC accused OU of cheating. (laughs) That's how how successful the weekend. weekend was. Like, it's not like
0: any of these guys were seriously considering South Carolina. Like, it was just... That guy just came out of the, off the top rope to throw something down.
3: What did you say? Like the second payment was in? Was what was that the
0: words he used? Like, yeah. Once, yeah. once Theo was think in? That's,
1: I think that's right. Yeah.
0: Which is interesting because he seemed well versed in the practice.
1: <laughs> oh, he knows. He knows exactly what it's Yeah. What like it he is. knows that it's installments. Like you just don't pay up front in one line. So <laughs> you, you have never to report do that to the tax man. So if you do it in installments,
0: it's fine. So,
2: Josh, it was, you know, I remember. Almost, I think it was probably about two years ago when I, I forgot who it was in particularly, but it was almost like when a guy decommitted, you just kind of, or at least I did, you just kind of wrote him off and he was probably not going to recommit at any point. What kind of work did Oklahoma, and it almost goes back to when we talked to Trajan Bridges down in Dallas. He knew, I mean, he's he pretty much guaranteed that Oklahoma was in good shape for Theo Weiss. And as it turns out, two weeks later, he called it. I mean, how much work did Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley or Dennis Simmons and, you know, Bob or Josh, either one of you, it just seems like this was a even bigger exclamation point in the fact that Oklahoma, not only did they get a couple commits from two five stars, but they got
0: recommits from guys that had decommitted previously. You know, again, I don't want to speak for Bob, but for me, at the time of their decommitments, I wrote Derek Green and RJ Henderson off. I thought that was done and that they were just going to go in a different direction. And not that OU was going to cut ties, particularly with Derek Green, because he and Ruffin have such a strong relationship. But I just I thought, man, he's going to stick closer to home. That's what that's what this has all come down to. He's going to go to Tennessee or Georgia and that'll be it. But for Oklahoma, I mean, they just never stopped. And I think, you know, and Bob, I know, has been working on this. Or Actually, have we released the story? yet? I'm not even sure as I speak this. Uh, about the recommitments and how that's all working. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's something that goes back, and I thought really the guy who is starting to write the book on this is Dennis Simmons, because with Sedarian Lamb, there was no angry reaction. There was no, how could you do this to us? We were counting on you, blah, blah, blah. All these things that can alienate a kid from the school and, you know, just do completely opposite of what you're wanting to do. He didn't do any of that. He was like, I understand. Take your trips. Do what you want to do. And when you're ready, we're going to be here for you and you can come back to us. He did it with Sidarian Lamb. Now, oh, you may have a guy that's going to go down as one of the great receivers in school history, and he just landed two five stars with the same same basic idea. Now, with with both of those guys, I mean, it's not just him. I, I think with Lamb, it was much more just Simmons. But, I, you know, there's Riley. There's Gundy. There, there's a lot going on with those two as well. But, I mean, I think Oklahoma has just finally accepted that early commitments are fine. We're not going to say, okay, you commit and then you can't take trips. They, they've stopped drawing that line. They understand that something's better than nothing. And when a kid does decommit, don't panic about it. If you don't want the guy, then walk away from him and you know, thank him for doing you the favor. And if you do, just keep recruiting him like you already were.
3: Yeah, that's the big difference. Is like three, four years ago, you know stoops would try to build that class in the final 2 months and any decommitment really hurt but if with OU these last two cycles what have, you know what have we seen they're pushing for such early commitments well when you do that you're not going to go 100% and that's what Lincoln Riley said last week when I asked him about it and I we talked about CD Lamb and he said you know CD Lamb called them told them hey I love OU I think I want to be here but I want to see other schools first and I don't want to do that while I'm committed to OU. And Riley said it's been tough to understand and not take decommitments commitments personal. But him and the staff have learned to do just that. And you see that it pays off in huge ways. If You know, you don't sever your tides. You don't. Uh, subtweet some kid on, on Twitter when he chooses another school or when he backs off from Try where, not to, at least. <laughs> from, backs off from where you're at. Use I mean, your burner account.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it paid off in a huge way. And yes, Dennis Simmons, I think... And I think receiver is the spot where you're going to see it the most. And that's why Dennis Simmons has really learned how to handle this.
1: Yeah, this weekend is kind of like... I'm sitting here on, and watching Baker Mayfield on TV with this... Russell Wilson vehicle that they've got going. I don't know what, what exactly. I mean, it's like, hey, let's show a bunch of highlights of Russell Wilson playing football. Talking to Baker. Man- but anyway, like, I was thinking over the last couple of months, it really has kind of been like a little bit in the doldrums. Like, I think we could all feel it. You know, it, it basketball and what happened with Trey Young, it got everybody kind of down in the dumps. And then uh, you you see all this Baker going pro uh, coverage it's all over it's still dominating ESPN right now and it kind of gets you into a lull like uh you know all the everything that was exciting about OU football is gone now and you know is it uh, is OU gonna be that good again but it was like this weekend it's just boom right back in your face and you got the Bob Stoop stuff the celebration the statue unveiling which Oh my God, the people that showed up for that. It was unbelievable I was, the amount of people. When I
2: turned the corner to go down Lindsay, I parked in the parking garage and then I like turned the corner and there was like people overflow into Lindsay. I was like, oh my God. It was there unbelievable. Was so many more people here than I, I was thinking. And
1: it was I thought so there'd cold. be like 200 people. Yeah, it was windy and was cold, so cold and miserable. It was miserable, yeah. And, and But you go through the, and then you get the commitments again and then you're just like, holy shit, OU football is like maybe. Higher, its profile is now higher than it's ever been. Forget, forget Heisman's and losing Baker and all, and you know college football playoffs. Like, I don't know that we've ever seen OU football creating this much excitement at this time of the year. And I think it. And the spring game sucked, by the way. Yeah, (laughs) I mean it was, and it was still an unbelievable weekend. I think that speaks to
2: just the, and maybe this is just because I'm around it so much, but I think it speaks a little bit to their presence on social media and, and trying to make that a in the forefront, I guess, because everywhere you turned was Adrian Peterson doing yeah. something or, you know, Lane Johnson doing something. The guy was pretty much the face of the Eagles for a while for and the last Yeah, seeing last those guys months. come back. I mean Trent
1: Williams. Uh you know, and even even like like like, Trent Williams is back and active with the program. The guy that Yeah. I thought Jerry Schmidt had burned every bridge there was to burn with him when they he were went in to a Washington that way. Wait, he went to the Washington Post and gave oh, some quotes right. about, forgot you know, about how that. lazy he was. Yeah, and, I forgot about that. And all that. And, like, he was pissed off for a really long time. And so now, like, it, everything's back, you know, in, in good graces.
2: It was, it was pretty incredible. And when you consider the situation that they were in on Saturday afternoon when it's 45 degrees and 45 mile per hour winds, I mean, they, they made the most of it for sure.
1: Okay, uh... I want to get back to the whole real new wave 19 thing. Uh, you know, it was a receiver. I can't even remember who it was. Cameron Brown. Cameron Brown. Uh, and he threw that out there. And it's almost like OU is now in this place where other people are jealous of it, like other recruits. Like, And if you think a receiver in the state of Texas doesn't have a little jealousy towards OU, right? Because basically, they've gotten every receiver that they wanted. Like, if you... Oklahoma's become a place like kind of like you can't go there because all the good people are going there. And I, I've never seen that before at any position.
0: And an aside, but, you know, and, and I want to go into what you're talking about, Kerry, but what's interesting, Cam Brown's teammate is Drew Sanders. Yep. <laughs> they play at Colleyville Heritage together. Now, Sanders is obviously a 20 guy, but that's pretty interesting that Brown was kind of the the focal point of that little bit of trash talk. So, um, but, no, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, guys, somebody asked me this the other day, and I, and I, it was something I knew, but I don't think I'd really bothered to to really process it. Oklahoma has never, ever finished with the number one class in Rivals history, not once. And with all the great, you know, the Adrian Peters and Rep classes, the the Gerald McCoy and Jermaine Gresham and all hey, those don't forget guys. Stephen
1: Good, R.J. Washington, and Jeremy Calhoun. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> God,
0: I mean, we know how all well that all went, uh, you know, but – never has that happened before and so for i mean and i still don't think it will cuz i think oklahoma's going to be a little small and i think that's going to hurt them as, as time goes on but to even be in this position at this point is pretty unbelievable especially when you consider they're in front of florida state and old miss and georgia that have that basically live in college football's lifeblood of talent in the southeastern area so i mean it, it's it's really impressive what they've done and especially when you consider, and you know, we'll maybe get into this a little bit, I want to be careful how much we say, there is the potential for a lot more to come from this weekend. Like I, I don't think this story is done at all.
1: Now, I'm right in saying that three five-stars is the most OU's ever signed, right? In one class?
0: I think that's right. The the RJ class with Steven and uh, Jeremy Calhoun, I think it's been done a couple of times because it's – there was another year and like, yeah, Rep I was AD Red
1: Omar, and was there another fifth in that one? No, but what
0: the other one I'm thinking of, I think was the I think it was O two when you had Pasha, uh, uh Lance Mitchell. Uh, Lance Mitchell and Zach Latimer were all
1: five stars, okay. I believe. Yeah, but and two of those were JUKOs, so that, know yeah, that yeah, really no, does not Yeah, yeah, no, it's a little it. different. Sure, sure. But yeah, three I mean, three, four high school five stars had never been done at OU. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like last year you kind of got to see Oh, you jump up into that group of Ohio State and Clemson and Florida State. and then, of course, Georgia just dominated everybody in the end, but Alabama. I mean, it's been a long time since Oklahoma's been thought of in not not on the football field, but in recruiting circles in those schools class. right. I mean,
3: for the last couple of years, it's felt like the students were in consideration, but now they're once again the dust the destination. They
1: like, were like that, the high end yes. Kansas state, like, they got good players, uh, and they got better players at OSU or TCU or you know anybody in the Big Twelve, but they weren't elite. They weren't like surefire first-round NFL guys.
0: Because Terry, I want to give you your credit. You were right. There was one more in the AD and Bulmar uh, class.
1: Let me see if I can. You guess may, want, you may want to take a
0: guess. Oh, four. I'm guessing it's somebody that did, <laughs> did not, not pan, pan, pan out. out. If, <laughs> Flamed out in wild, wild fashion. Oh, Lord. Tony K
1: didn't make it to five star, did he? Nope, nope. And he wasn't. Chris in that Patterson. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Lord, hey. I feel oh, bad somebody exactly. brought that up yeah. to
0: me. Poor four out. <laughs>
1: and he never again, even made it to campus. One of those guys, guys campus, should have been
0: so. uh, just an all time great and just didn't have it together between the years.
1: Yeah, I, it's hard to. Uh, again, there's another caveat for me because he never made it to campus.
0: Yep. And how, guys, that—that's a sub. We probably don't need to waste time on. But Illinois and Oklahoma has been really weird. Akeem Millington, Mo Dampier, Chris Patterson. There's some weird, weird juju when you make that move from Illinois to Norman. Awesome.
3: Hey, hey,
2: I'm from, yeah, I'm from, from Chicago. Below being the most shiny example
0: I can think of, it all goes wrong when you come from Illinois.
2: Siebert's trying to uh,
1: make up for Siebert. everybody. <laughs> Siebert. Siebert. <laughs> I'm still uh, blocked by Cybert on Twitter. A, oh, wow! How can you have a bromance with Cybert and not know his name?
2: It's it's more <laughs> of a bro thing. We uh, he calls me Red
1: or something. <laughs> he calls you this. Ah, damn it!
2: Uh, I, while we are talking about uh, Mr. Seibert. Eddie Radasovitch. I will say I was followed yesterday by uh, Austin Seibert for Heisman. Really, the uh, Twitter handle. So uh, well, I got followed to, uh, by
1: Zach Sanchez yesterday. So suck Really? It. Yeah.
2: He's uh, that is that is a guy that I, think I, I that is an to, easy
1: to chair for dude. I think he's trying to get me to sabotage your relationship with Lauren Chamberlain. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> we're just trying to be Eskimo brothers. Oh my god! Hi, Lauren. <laughs> Hi, Lauren. Eddie just became awful. It was a joke. Eddie was, uh, Eddie was proudly presenting his uh, Natty Light toque on Saturday.
2: Yeah, it was on brand. It was very classy, wearing, wearing
1: it at the Bob Stoops statue unveiling.
2: Well, it was like 40 degrees outside, <laughs> and that was the only thing that could cover my ears.
1: Uh, so anyway, and, before and Eddie I, I, took I, I us d- off the rails.
2: <laughs> I don't think that I ruined the uh, ceremony, okay? Yeah.
0: Like some. That's All
3: right. terrible.
1: Oh now, welcome God. to our podcast.
0: <laughs> and I just realized where Eddie went with that. That's just unbelievable. Yeah, let
1: me play you it's something, a, let me play you something it's Josh. A,
2: it's okay to joke about it now because he's okay.
4: Yeah, yeah just, I don't know, tough to describe. Yeah, you know, that I'm very close to means a lot to me, and uh, so... You know, such a, you know, tough for it to be such a great event and great thing. And then, and, and to see him not feeling well. So, uh, yeah, it, it hurts me. You know, it hurts me. So I'll be excited to, you know, to check on him. I hadn't had to get a chance to get an update on him, you know, since the game got started. But he's, you know, he and Molly are in our thoughts and prayers right now.
1: It was one of the weirdest things I've ever experienced in my life because, you know, you are right Bob were the there. It I know. You were, you were right there. I got there like right as it was st- right before it started. And so I was kind of finagling for a better... Yeah, I, I was taking pictures, so I was I was kind of you know, trying to get a better spot than that podium back there. Because the only thing I would have got there is a picture as a cloth was coming down. And so I wanted to get Bob and the family, and, and President Bourne was sitting right there. And you had, like, Roy Williams sitting right next to him, and Jason White was right behind Thatcher him. Thatcher was there, wasn't he? J.T. Thatcher was right there. You had Bob Stoops' mom... His daughter, his sons, whole his uncle—the whole family. Ron was there. His older brother, that's a high school coach. Um, and, and Barry Switzer was there. Chuck Ninus was there, looking fly. They both had. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, they both had the uh the the fur coats on. Just I wonder what those incredible. are made of. It's got to be like uh, they don't look like mink. <laughs> <laughs> they Whatever they, they are, made. those are amazing. Uh, so yeah, we're sitting there and. Was Who was the first person to speak? It w- wasn't Born, was it?
2: Uh, well, I, Kenny Mossman, I think, did kind of
1: the welcome He was the type uh, MC kind of deal. And then he We're introduced Joe. Joe. And then yeah. Joe introduced Boren. Right. Oh, is that how it worked? Yeah. Up? Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, so, see, that's how much this scrambled my brain. And... One of the guys sitting in the crowd with Bob was Clark Stroud, which Dean of Students, he and Bob are very good friends. Really good dude. Uh, very good guy. And so Bourne goes up to give his speech. And I didn't see him walk up, but I heard he had trouble getting up the steps. Uh, and they think maybe that's when it started happening. But he started speaking, and I noticed about halfway through his speech was starting to get really slurred. And I thought, man, he's really cold. But then he was repeating the same things over and over again, and so I just thought, oh wow, old man. Look, you know, he's, looking back on time. it, it's like, okay, there is something. Well, I was like, boy, you know, in my head, I was thinking, boy, it's a good thing he's retired. Yeah, because he's, yeah. you know, he's he's looks old. I don't remember him being this old. It was it was very weird. It was like, wow, I I guess I just haven't seen him in a while. And so he went and sat back down, and then Joe Castiglione came back up, right? Right. Well, no, they went from born to Bob. Was that
2: Born introduced Bob born and then Bob in, okay. came up?
1: Okay. So Bob was talking and then no, this that's not how it worked because Yeah, it is. Because I I cut up the audio. Born introduced Bob. Okay. Well, it was really strange because maybe Bob came up and then he finished and but like while all this was going on so Clark Stroud gets up from from his chair, and he comes over to talk to the the main OUPD guy, and he he looks at him. He says, "I think President Bourne is having a stroke." And I look over him, and his face is just white, and he's just staring straight forward, like out in the distance. And then Clark looks at me, and he sees the phone in my hand. And he goes, "Please don't report that." And I was like, "Ah, you know, okay, I I, I won't say anything." And so what did I do? Immediately, I text the group, and I said, I <laughs> think Bourne is having a stroke, but don't report it. Uh, and so then they got, like, Scott Anderson and uh, know, the other main trainer for OU, not Jim Hillis, but uh, their, another one of their doctors comes over there, and he starts sitting next to Bourne, And the former players are huddling around him, like, so nobody could see it. Like creating a wall. Like almost. making a wall, yeah. Because all the cameras are back there. Because all those cameras are back there. But then more and more OUPD are showing up and because they're trying to figure out if they need to, you know, are they going to have to carry them out? Uh, you know, I mean, what's going on? What's going to happen? And then they get the EMTs involved and they rush down. And the whole time, the, the OU team doctors are trying to be subtle because Bob's giving a speech and, and this and this and that. And so they don't want to take away from a huge moment, which is a guy unveiling a statue that's going to be there for hundreds of years. I mean, long after (laughs) we're gone. This
2: (laughs) damn statue has given OU
1: so much trouble. (laughs) So, so yeah, they're trying to... And then the EMT comes down. He's like, no, we need to get to him now. And he rushes right in the middle of everything. He's like, screw you people. I'm getting to this guy to get him help. And the ambulance was already coming in. Like, you could see the ambulance was pulling up. Did it come in on the practice field? Is that how... It just came up... No, it came up Lindsay and just right alongside the... Because okay. that's right there. That gate is yeah. right there by the practice okay. field. And so the uh, all of a sudden they start clearing the thing and Bob realizes what's going on and so they have to start clearing these lanes and they bring in the gurney and they put... I'm like, they're going to put him on a gurney. This is terrible. Like, they haven't even unveiled the statue yet. And so that happens and they wheel him out and then Joe, poor Joe Castiglione is left there to go like... Okay, uh, well, we still have something to do here. It's
2: fairly precautionary. He kept saying precaution. Yeah. And I, I I think if you were in the back, you would have no idea what was going on. Like, yeah. for the fans that
1: were you further see, down. Yeah, you could not. It, it was The people were so far back, you couldn't see what was going on. You could only see the top of the statue. Like,
3: Yeah, it's not stadium
1: seating. You're just seeing the back of heads. And so they have to go through with the dropping of the giant red you know cloth that's over the statue they have to unveil it that's what they're there for after the president of the university is wheeled out to an ambulance and you're just like my god this could not have gone any worse like and so they kind of take a minute everybody you know regroups and bob gets up with his family and they let it down and then uh you know everybody's getting their pictures taken and it kind of you kind of get back to normalcy and like people are like rushing up there because they want to get a selfie with it and uh, you know, Bob and his family go through all their different. Here's the aunt. And here's the uncle. And here's the kids. And this is with uh, my brother. And this is with uh, Carol's sisters. And uh, so they get all their pictures done, and they leave. And then we're sitting there talking to Joe, and I'm just like, "What the hell just happened?" It
2: was. I mean, it was in a way, it was very scary. Cause like, what if they did wait? You know, with the with a stroke and stuff like that, I think like thankfully the guy went in there when he did, right?
1: Yeah, I you know once they got him on the stretcher, got him in the hospital. I'm sure you know they gave him some tests and figured out you know if he had blockage or whatever. And but yeah, I mean it's a good thing David Bourne's going to retire, and and that was like his third big event in three in two days. I think I think
2: he has the big stuff this weekend too, with uh, kind of like it was going to be like a send off weekend almost.
1: Well, and people were asking me, like, can they replace him, like, go ahead and, would the new president go ahead and come in? I was like, I don't know. I was like, probably I have no not. no idea how but, that works. Yeah.
3: Because that's what I thought. was just pure fatigue, because he unveiled the statue Friday night, and that was around 9.30 Central That was time. like
1: when, yeah, when and Toby didn't start playing till like 9.45 Yeah, or so,
3: I mean, it was a quick turnaround, and you go, you know, I don't know if he'd been drinking, but it was an open bar for... Anyone that wanted to be there, and then you go to. I hope so. A, they a, paid like
1: fifty thousand a table. <laughs>
3: a Saturday morning, and it's cold like that. I just thought all that had caught up to him finally.
1: Well, thank goodness he was okay, and you know, and you had the game, and even after the game was over, like people didn't know they hadn't heard anything yet, and then we're sitting up at the press box. was yeah, about four University forty-five, releases five, five o'clock. Yeah, statement yep.
2: officially announced something.
1: So, but I mean, but outside of that, it was unbelievable. I mean, it really set a great tone for the day. It was like a game day type atmosphere outside the stadium uh, and you go in there and yes, it was terrible football to watch. I mean, it was the wind had a big part to do with it, but uh, early on in in the scrimmage, as soon as Trey, as soon as uh, uh, a sermon, so Trey sermon gets hurt. You're just like, okay, shut it down. Like don't everyone get out of the game but you couldn't it was too early so
2: that was one of those days that if that would have been a real game they would have thrown the ball less than 15 times on Saturday i would i would think it it reminded yeah. me of uh, the Kansas game last year and the uh the tech game that Cody Thomas started in what was that
3: 2014 Lubbock yeah okay. when it was just what he awful. threw three interceptions in the first half
2: maybe <laughs> yeah
3: it probably it would have been the only game that he
1: started out there so yeah yeah. Then they realize all we have to do is give the ball to Samajee. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here is uh, Lincoln Riley uh, to assure you on uh, Trey Sermon what he had to have what he had to say after the scrimmage.
4: they will look at Trey Sermon. I don't think it's serious. Um, they'll evaluate him further, but I, I think the early indications look look positive.
1: So. And he came out, Eddie, you were down on the field. He came out, and he, even though it was gingerly, he was walking around under his own power. Right?
2: Yeah, he was out there in the second half. Uh, him and Caleb Kelly were on the sidelines talking, and he he was smiling, looked fine. And I think even there's been some innuendos out there that everything is completely fine with him, even after Saturday. So it was good news, because when he did go down, the way that it, the way that it went down and the way that he was tackled, oh, I thought... Oh. He just he just tore out his knee. He just yeah, tore his whole blew, knee. Blew his knee out.
3: It's just Patrick Fields trying to make a play so he doesn't get forgotten. Yeah, and yeah. It came down in a strange
1: way.
2: It was, uh, and it was, yeah. It was, it was bad. I thought it was going to be really bad. But
1: we, you mentioned Patrick Fields. Uh, we got to see Buki for the first time. He looked tremendous. Uh, Miguel Edwards had a pick in the game. I liked what I saw to Ryan Jones. Uh, I liked what I saw of Levi Draper. He led yeah. the team in tackles, or led all everyone in tackles. Um, yeah, you know, I I wanted to see more Rambo, but that was partly I think because of the wind and uh, what I did see it was just kind of okay, kind of the same. They tried to run a reverse to J- Jaquelin Crawford. That was you know Ronnie Perkins tried to kill Ronnie him. Ronnie Perkins looked. Good, I thought he man. did kill him. Th- <laughs> yeah, he really. That was
2: one of those hits on the field. That he fumbled, but they it. said
1: that they ruled him down. Yeah, uh, correct. Yeah. And then, you know, you didn't get to see Jalen Redmond. You didn't get to see TJ Pledger, which was kind of a downer.
2: Probably the most disappointing part was when I walked back there and they're warming up and I saw Jalen Redmond wasn't suited out. And I was
1: like, Damn. Here is uh, Lincoln Riley talking about his uh, newcomers.
4: Ryan's been a guy that's uh, we've been happy with his progression. You know, uh, you know now that he's in there with with you know Coach Mike every single day. He's just you know from a guy coming in that was primarily a receiver in high school and then a safety here, and so it's kind of been a it's been a big change for him. And uh, uh, but Mike's done a great job. His progression has been rapid, uh, and he's got an undeniable talent. So he, he's disruptive without a doubt. Now. Proud of Miguel making the play on the big stage. Um, yeah, I hated we didn't get to get Redmond was kind of in the same uh, category as, uh, as Pledger. You know, it got a little banged up and just wasn't quite ready to go. Hated to not have him today because he's been good. Buki, as we said, has been good. Patrick Fields has done some good things. So yeah, I'm excited about those young guys. Ronnie Perkins, another guy. I see him flying around today. I mean, all those young guys are, are going to help this program, most of them sooner rather than later.
1: And, yeah, I mean, we went into that thing. Uh, I would say, based on what the coaches told us, actually some guys look better. I mean, we didn't really hear anything positive about Miguel Edwards all all fall. It was just kind of like, you know, he's he's a young guy. He's got to get better. He's got to get more consistent.
2: Yeah, the one thing I remember hearing about him was Kerry Cook saying – he just needed to – he was kind of – he wasn't in that group with Buki and, and Justin Broyles. It was Trey, like he yeah. needed, we needed to see more from him. Or that Trey and, Brown. And Trey Brown. Trey Brown Parnell, I, I thought he looked pretty damn good on Saturday, all things considered.
1: Yeah. I mean, really good job undercutting that route and, and picking it off. And then – yeah, I, I, but I think we kind of saw what we thought we would saw with the young guys. And
3: what Brown – Mark Keith Brown talked about with Miguel's confidence – that he was ready to go against those guys. He didn't care that they have been there, that they're the so-called superstars. He was going to make his play, and that's exactly what he did. And that's sometimes that type of confidence you get from kids from the state of Florida yeah. coming this way. It's just a different breed of athlete. Uh,
1: you know, I think the other big question in this thing was quarterback, what we're going to see there. We've all thought. I think. I don't think there's one of us. I think I can speak for all of us that – We've all thought that this is Kyler Murray's job to lose. Uh, It's hard to say, you know, that we really saw what is special about Kyler Murray in a scrimmage like that where you can't tackle. And, I mean, there were a couple of sacks in there where you're like, there's no way that was going to be a sack in in real life. Just it was a guy, you know, in a game, a lot of people are going to get their hands on Kyler Murray and touch him as he's running past them. But it was – and I've said this all along. Austin Kendall, when you see him out in live action – he runs better than you think he does. He always mm-hmm. has. From the first moment we saw him, we were like, "Well, he's not. He's he's kind of mobile. He's not too bad." But I think the difference in that game basically was he knew that he had CD Lamb and he could throw the ball up to him and he'd get it. If Kyler Murray had CD Lamb, he probably would have led the team in reception or er, in yardage. And Grant Calcaterra.
2: That that's a guy that I think it's pretty well known that I have a man crush on Grant Calcaterra. But he's going to be
1: good looking. Chapman. I think he's
2: going to be. He's going to be all right. They're going to be okay with losing Mark English. I bet he had a successful Saturday night. Jesus Christ. I bet he just, I can't even let myself imagine it. Play it's, like it's not safe for work.
3: <laughs> getting back to Austin Kendall, you can just tell that the more reps he takes, the more comfortable he's getting. He talked about it. Lincoln talked about it. I think through the first couple weeks, it looked like Kyle that Murray was winning it hands down. It wasn't even a competition. Yeah. Now it looks like it is again.
1: Uh, Let's play some Lincoln Riley and I have a question for everybody after this. And it helps when your buttons work.
4: He settled in here. You know, I felt like that, you know, early in in spring, you know, Kyler was... Playing pretty well and probably was was playing a little bit better than AK, which was to be expected. Uh, if you got to remember, all last year, you know Austin was running the scout team. It was the same way last spring, but the opposite. AK came in was a little bit sharper. You could tell he'd worked with us all year. Uh, Austin's really started to settle in here this last half of spring. Played really, really well. Um, thought he did a lot of nice things today as well. So uh, it's uh, it's neck and neck right now, without a doubt.
1: So here's the, here's the thing. and Here's my question. Is it, like, really? Because we all know what Lincoln Riley needs is for Austin Kendall to be around for emergency purposes. Like, if Kyler Murray is somehow drafted in the first round and given a million-dollar signing bonus that says, we need you to quit football, and he does, and you've named a starter or given any indication that Kyler's probably going to be the guy, and Austin Kendall decides, okay, well, I'm going to transfer this summer, and sit out my year and get ready. Like, you have to have Austin. Look, I, I'm not saying that he couldn't play and be effective. I absolutely think he could. But is it really a close race? Is it, is it really? Because, I mean, you remember the day we were out there talking to Kerry Cooks? Yeah. And he basically said, well, Kyler Murray is impossible. Right. To stop. <laughs> right. Mean, it, nobody's saying that about Austin Kendall.
2: I, I think it's a situation that it's closer than you would think but Kyler's going to win the job. So I don't know if that really means if I don't know how really close it really is. With that said though, I think it's going to be interesting over the next two months and what happens on the baseball field. I don't think that this is a situation that he's going to be drafted high enough of this year. This is a yeah. question. I think that is a lot more applicable next year, a year from now in this situation.
1: But here's the thing too. Like if you are Kyler's father, uh, and you're looking out for his best interest, you don't have to be drafted in the first round. No. You can still use that football career's leverage to say, look, you, you might have drafted us in the third round, but if you want to sign us, right. we'll, we'll go back and play football, or you can give us a really big dollar.
2: I, also, I, I think, though, in that situation, too, wouldn't the team, before they draft him, they're going to have to get word from him, we draft you, you're coming to play baseball. They're not going to – you yeah. can't waste a third-round pick on a guy right. that's going back to school, right? Right, yeah. But at They're the same gonna time – He's going to be back in the draft the next year. And that's why I think, like, in a way, I mean, Austin Kendall wants Kyler Murray to hit 520 the next month and a half. And <laughs>
4: Well, yeah, well, he's like, to no.
1: He was, like, he was asked about that. He's like, no, I haven't, seen, uh, I haven't seen Kyler play yet, but I'm going to go out there and I hope he hits three home runs. He's going
2: to be the guy holding up a sign, hit it here in left field.
1: <laughs> but
2: at the same time, it's like – I mean, Kyler's obviously – he's shown that he – has started to knock some rust off. He's playing really good baseball. I mean, obviously, he's hitting cleanup for OU. Uh, I think he's hovering around 295 right now after this weekend. They had a tough weekend against, uh, against Texas, and particularly a tough weekend for Austin. Or I mean, uh, for Kyler Murray. I think he ended up going one for 11 before leaving in like the seventh inning of the Sunday game. But
1: For purposes of this discussion, too, uh, here's some more Lincoln Riley.
4: We've had some discussions on that. Uh, we're open and honest with each other about that, and I'm comfortable about where we're at with it.
1: Which means, yes, that is something that I'm concerned about uh, that you know, I want to be kept up you know in the loop on and and basically Lincoln right there is saying, I, I, I believe he's going to be here playing football next year. I want to throw yeah. this no matter Eddie, what.
3: because you're more of the baseball guy because what we're seeing from this year is like Kyler is just better than what he was, yeah last year. absolutely. but what is where where do you see him right now in terms of the draft? How draftable is he? Oh, I think he's going to
2: be drafted. I think he'll definitely be drafted in June. I I don't think he's going to be drafted though. I would be hard pressed to think he goes in like the top seven rounds. Okay. Somewhere in between eight and fourteen, I could buy. I could definitely buy. But I I don't think that. I don't know. It's it's tough to say just because I also don't think he's going to be playing center field at the next level either. I think they move him back in and play shorter second. So I, I it's going to be interesting. I think the one telltale sign will be. At the end of the college baseball season, if he decides to go to the back to the Cape, that might be a sign of where his head's at. Yeah, I and I don't expect that. To I do think you I think can. he's going to stay if around. If you're Kyler normally.
1: Murray, you cannot do that. I mean, there's no way that you can do that and expect to be the starting quarterback when you come back in August.
2: Yeah, because it, I mean, we've talked about it at length before. I think that's where Baker Mayfield really made his money, as far as just. And I, I know we kind of shit on it during the summer, like who cares about seven on seven stuff, but. I mean,
1: it's I'm sure important. It's boring as hell to watch, and you really don't learn a whole lot out of it. And some guys have good days, other guys yeah. have bad days. It's not representative of what's going to happen. Right, the season. right.
2: It's important in the long run, though, the big goal.
1: But yeah, I mean, developing that that chemistry and relationship with receivers, and them knowing how to run routes, and you you know being able to ro- rely that they're if they're running this route, they're going to be here, right. and not there. Having trust, I mean, because that's the whole thing about a quarterback. I mean, why did Landry Jones only ever throw the ball to, to Ryan Broyles? Well, one, because all the other receivers sucked and couldn't catch the ball, and you had a guy like Dewan Miller that was starting for you. Sorry. If you, yeah, I'm not sorry. Sorry, um, sorry Miller family. <laughs> but the other thing is, like, Ryan Broyles was, was where he was supposed to be every time he yeah. ran a pass pattern. And Landry Jones could trust it. And what one, we've talked about this before. One thing quarterbacks don't want to do more than anything is throw an interception. Give the ball to the other team. And you're going to throw to the guys that you trust are going to be where they're supposed to be when you let go of that football. Absolutely. And that's what a summer seven-on-seven seven helps you with. Uh, okay, so just around the room, Josh, I'll start with you. Any chan- is, is, is Austin Kendall have any chance?
0: I think he does. I came away from the spring game a lot more impressed with him than I expected to be. I kind of thought all the highlight stuff would come from Kyler. Kyler didn't do anything that stood out to me. Now, I think there is something to be said for the fact that Kyler couldn't run and a lot of his skill set is going to play better in a live-action game than it would in that particular setting. And obviously the win and all those other things that matter – but, I, I mean, I, I would say last week I just said 90% Kyler. Now I'm probably more like 70%. Like, I, I, I think Kendall has a chance. I think it will be Kyler. But I still, it, it changed my perspective a little bit.
1: I'm going to say Josh is on Lincoln Riley's payroll. Eddie? I, I'm still, I mean, I,
2: I'm still probably in the 90 percentile, if not 95 percentile, that Kyler Murray's the quarterback. Um, what is it august 31st september 1st whatever the yeah. first game is i i just i don't know i i think kyler murray makes up for a lot of things that austin kendall just simply can't do physically he makes an offense dangerous right and and he throws the deep ball we know that yeah and i i don't know we'll see it'll be interesting I, i'm still going kyler murray though bob
3: there's no chance for Austin Kendall. The trick is going to be how to convince him to stay on campus one more year. He did look better than what a lot of us thought he would on Saturday, and that's a good sign in terms of OU's depth at quarterback, but it doesn't mean a dang thing, in my opinion, about him actually getting on the field.
2: How much How much? also is it, too, that Austin Kendall had a much better offensive <laughs> line in front of him, too, and, and he still got sacked a couple times and turned the ball over in the red zone, so... Yeah, the turnover is what, it's just bad. To be fair, Kyler also should have probably been picked off, too. And that would have been, a
1: in a real game, that might have been a pick six. I will say this. Here, here, this is my prediction. Uh, Zero percent chance that he's the starting quarterback next year. Unless, unless Kyler Murray goes back to the Cape... And then 60% chance that he is the starting quarterback next year. How about that? Wow, That's, Six, a, that's how much I think the summer means. The summer means
2: to having a guy Murray. around.
1: And maybe you just start him and let him see, or maybe you play them both. I don't know. But I think, I think that you'll see Austin Kendall play is, a lot of quarterback next year if Kyler Murray takes off for the Cape.
2: Is there any chance that they enter September trying to do two quarterbacks?
1: Mm, nah, no Unless, I, I unless guess Kyler that, Murray's not the starter <laughs>
2: Yeah I mean, it's it, it's never really presented itself, has it? With I mean, obviously with Baker the last three years But did you're Riley ever about, play two quarterbacks at we are talking Carolina? like a,
1: a, a J.W. Walsh type system? A little bit, yeah Back to the belldozer? I mean, I, I don't think that they would, but No, look, I think Kyler Murray's going to be the starting quarterback I mean, I don't see it playing out any other way I think Lincoln just is trying to hold serve long enough to keep Kendall from transferring yeah
2: and there's as Bob said I mean that is that is a major <laughs> it's almost harder I would I would think if you had to uh, ask Riley about it and he, he was honest with, with it I would say that's probably harder than recruiting right now is having to recruit a guy to stay around. Especially a quarterback. Yeah.
3: Because then it would become the same thing as two years ago with Tanner Mordecai in the Austin Kendall role, the true freshman.
1: And I that think all, all, of this would be, all of this would be different if Tanner Mordecai was an early enrollee. Like, yeah. if he had had uh, Spring under his belt, I don't think he'd worry so much about whether Austin Kendall stayed or
2: not. Yeah. No, that it's true. And basically, if you really want to be honest, you just need a placeholder for a year until Mr. Spencer Rattler, Spencer Mr. Rattler, Rattler <laughs> gets here.
1: Uh, You're not wrong Uh, Okay, moving on from what we saw in the field uh, Let's get back to just talking about this weekend overall And one thing we haven't talked about Well, we have a little bit Uh, I actually just got a message from Lewis Baker Before we did the podcast about what a great time he had I think we all saw J.D. kind of telling his stories and stuff But I got a sense that, you know Even just talking to some of those guys And a lot of those guys that are still around the city and stuff, they hang out and they kind of have their groups based on, you know, what years they played and stuff like that. Uh, But, you know, a lot of those guys are spread out or, you know, they went back to Texas and they don't see each other. But I think that was not just from a recruiting standpoint, but just from a program standpoint uh, and, and all the stuff that Bob was doing was a really special part of this weekend, just the former players. And here's Lincoln Riley talking about And for them, we talked about this last week, for them to come back and do that for Lincoln Riley, for Adrian Peterson and Lane Johnson and Trent Williams, guys that didn't ever play for Lincoln Riley, for them to do that, was really huge, and here's Lincoln Riley talking about
4: it. The other thing I'd like to say is really appreciate all of our NFL guys coming back. I mean, they've been tremendous. Uh, you know, AD, uh, Trent, those guys were fabulous as head coaches. Lane and Tony were down there stoking up both sidelines as assistant coaches. You know, you got Gerald McCoy getting the crowd amped up before the game and, and being there at the coin toss. And we had so many more back for, for coaches' event last night uh, that have also been around here, and it's been important for our fans. It's been great for our players. It's been great for our recruits. So I, I appreciate those guys very much, and they're they're a big part of what makes this place, you know, just, just different and, and very, very special.
1: Uh, it doesn't hurt having AD hanging around with Marcus Major on campus to be taking pictures with him. Uh, Tony Jefferson being around when you get a couple safety commits over the weekend.
2: I'm a guy that usually, I would say, I, I usually shit on everything about, like, this type of thing, but I think it was major. It had a major impact on the weekend, just bringing – I mean, every picture you had a guy that is a big time NFL player, Gerald McCoy out
1: on the field. Yeah, every every guy,
2: up. it was. I thought it was. It couldn't have gone better.
3: I mean, you look at Stacy Wilkins' pictures, Trent Williams, Lane Johnson, Orlando Brown. Yeah, that's pretty good.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible the way that, and I think I even in a way, I don't know if for, took for granted was the is the right word, but just I'd forgotten how many guys. In the Stoops era were big time. And I guess that's like
1: kind of a yeah, you're an idiot, Eddie. Duh, but the problem is they weren't always together. Right. right. They had okay, a, there's yeah. a bunch of big time guys over yeah. eighteen years. There was never one team that had O I mean, four O three and O four teams, they had just shit. Star tons studded. And the 0-8 team. I mean yeah. hell, look at that draft. I mean And even the
2: picture JD Runnell J D Runnels, Seth Luttrell, and Trey Millard, I mean that's like the quite a lineage fullback fraternity of all time, and at least college ball.
1: That was, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw this yet. Uh, they asked me to write something about you know OU being RBU, and they had all these schools: Alabama, uh, I think LSU was on there. OU,
3: Florida, Florida State,
1: Florida State, uh, and lo and behold, Josh McQuistion, uh, Mike Farrell named OU RBU. I don't know how that's gonna play has that made its way to the boards yet?
2: Well it's made its way to Twitter. They just sent something out and uh Bama fans are not happy.
1: Screw them. <laughs> they don't have an A D and they don't have they don't even have a DeMarco Murray. Mark Ingram That's what I to say who do they have that's as good as OUs Mark number. two? Mark Ingram is is won a Heisman trophy. Derrick Henry won a Heisman. DeMarco Murray was beating out Derrick Henry. What? So I, shut up. No, it's Alabama true. Fans. It's true. <laughs> They just didn't want to pay him because they because Derrick Henry was cheaper.
0: And that's an old, past his prime, Demarco Murray. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, DeMarco's had a fantastic NFL career, and he's still in the. I mean, he'll be in the league again. Adrian Peterson probably back just playing for on the cheap for somebody. Yeah, I mean, then Samajee D. Ryan and Joe Joe Mixon could be one of the best fantasy. You know, buys of the year this year for Cincinnati. Saw so
2: he uh, reported to Cincinnati's mini camp down thirteen pounds from last year. That's probably good. Yeah, no, it is.
0: He's just not Guys, a great inside runner. I was thinking about this when
1: we, you know, with Adrian being on campus and everything. By the way, uh, Damian Williams. By the way, pretty oh, damn good. A guy that has any is is Mark Ingram and Damian Williams pretty comparable as NFL running backs?
2: I mean, he's Damian Williams from a guy that. Got, I mean, he got kicked off the team, right? Is that but it's after fair the season, to say, yeah. But <laughs> he—they let him come back for pro day. No, I mean, he's had a
1: exceptional
2: NFL career yeah. for a running back.
1: I remember, I mean, seeing him at that UTEP game, and that was the first time we saw him live. I was just like, "Holy shit, who is this guy?" He
2: broke off the ninety-plus yarder, right? I was like,
1: "This guy is actually In special." Texas, yeah, he's the he's the biggest surprise running back, other than probably dom whaley i mean and he's much better than dom whaley yeah. was
0: yeah just from what you thought to what you actually got yeah Gap. yeah um
1: well Clinton no. griffin is the biggest i mean
0: yeah fair enough fair. <laughs> i think i think griffin surprised own high school coaches they're like we didn't know he was that good <laughs> uh guys i, I was and I, I just this is just real quick because it's something that i, I always like these kind of historical conversations where does Adrian fall in like NFL all-time running backs? Is he a top ten guy?
1: Eh, and I mean, to me, he's right outside of injuries. that. Right. He definitely would be. Right. But he's not. He's not in Emmitt Smith category. He's not. Mm-hmm. You know. You could maybe make an argument. I mean, he's going to keep playing. Uh, he, I mean, he just needs to find somebody that's going to, you know, that's not, not really running a. A, a type of New Orleans Saints type offense where the running back is, you know, it's more of a spread concept offense. I mean, yeah, that was an awful fit. But I mean, I don't. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's he's in that upper echelon, but he's not Earl Campbell. He's not he's not Emmitt Smith. He's you know, I mean, he's definitely you know ahead of like Edron James.
0: Yeah. Which coincidentally, just the guy he, the last guy he passed on the career rushing totals. He's number 12 in NFL history.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think of other. Mm-hmm. Well, just to kind of, for some perspective,
0: 6 through 10 is LaDainian Tomlinson, Jerome Bettis, Eric Dickerson, Tony Dorsett, and Jim Brown. I couldn't put him above, I, I could, I would probably take him above Jerome Bettis.
1: Yes, I'm not. The rest I'm, of I'm those, I don't think bus. I could get there. I mean, well, is it like is Le'Veon Bell on track to be a, ahead of Adrian Peterson because he's kind of the running back of the now?
0: Uh huh, he is. Wow, he wow, he is tied for a hundred and seventeenth right now with Le'Veon Bell is?
1: Wow, wow, but
0: that's in that's in what thirteen, fourteen? That's five seasons, so he's been half the time of AD. So if you doubled that. He'd still, even if you doubled it and he continued how he has, he'd still be 2,000 yards shy of Adrian.
1: It's such a different game now, though. I mean, the running back isn't valued like they used to be. Like, the running back would be the star of your team. And Adrian played at a time, I think, but while the running back position was being devalued. I mean, he was, what, seventh pick overall when he Mm -hmm. was taken? I mean, Leonard Fournette is very similar to what 80 was. I don't, he's not quite as explo- I've never thought he was as quite as explosive as Adrian. I mean he, he but he's physical, he's big. You could say power wise maybe he has a little bit on Adrian, but they're very similar style runners and people just don't value those type of runners. Like Derrick Henry, Tennessee really doesn't know what to do with him.
3: Yeah, we've reached the the era of the two running backs. You just can't have one that has thirty carries per game. So I don't know if you're ever gonna see those numbers put up once
1: again.
0: Or you have to have, like, a DeMarco Murray. In five years, he has
1: more career receiving yardage than Adrian has in 10. See, that's the thing about DeMarco Murray. He was ahead of his time. Like, he's a great Mm -hmm. receiver. And he can do everything that you need a a back to be able to do first through third down. And he's a great inside runner. Like, I would love to... If he could reboot in this day and age as a running back, he he would spend two or three years probably being considered the best running back in football. But like Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, he's probably just going to be a flash in the pan. He's really good. And I mean, when he's on and he's not suspended, he's probably the best running back in the league right now.
2: Certainly helps when you're playing behind an offensive line. Yes, like his he, offensive he line does. is
1: ridiculous.
0: Eddie made a stroke joke earlier, and I'm pretty sure Kerry's comment about Ezekiel Elliott is going to be what's going to piss more people off. <laughs>
2: Why is that? Well, he's gonna have a better. We have lots
0: of Cowboys lot fans of Cowboy that are just fans. not gonna take that shit.
2: He's gonna, he's going Ezekiel I'm Elliott. I'm a Cowboy fan. I, Eze- I mean, that's the only team I've ever rooted for. E- Ezekiel yeah. Elliott will have a better year next year than Des Bryant for the Cowboys. That's for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, you know Cowboys who? fans out there, that's a good bit of business. I thought that was a smart move.
2: You know who? You know who? Ezekiel Elliott will definitely have a better year than. i'll answer my own question <laughs> roy finch not as of, as elusive as we thought
1: well no it's it's, it's too easy to bring down that too was always roy down. finch's problem <laughs> hey well at least he was at least he was
0: getting the ball though
1: getting he, playing time. he was he didn't get he looked
0: like he put up a fight to go down that he, time he
1: didn't get out in space that was his problem he was he was trying to run through the trash as they you, say
2: got to run out to broadway son you can't be elusive in, inside that, the uh that the apartment every, you know building.
1: Kale Gundy yelled at him so many years ago north and south, it really hurt him in that instance.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> if he would have got if he would have gone north and south, he would have been halfway to
1: Oklahoma City. <laughs> they really beat the shit out of him, too. Hey, I mean, honestly, he's, he's don't lucky. run from the cops. And he's that lucky was lucky he didn't get shot. he No, you're right. No, that Seriously. was when they caught up with him, he'd already run away from him before. So mm. like that was the second time like, they and I will say Congratulations. Oklahoma City Cops, you're right up there with Arkansas. Well, Edmund. Edmund, right? Or Edmund, it Edmund or, yeah. It, takes... it was Edmund Police Department. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Edmund. Fayetteville, uh, Edmund, we got a flag football game for and you guys. I think it, it does ring it true, true.
2: The man. one thing that we know about Roy Roy Finch. Not the best decision maker.
1: But he got offered by Stanford out of high school. It, did he really? Like I I, Am I wrong any, on that, Josh? Anybody,
2: any of his teammates you talk to, it sounds like he wasn't the smartest no, wasn't. smartest guy.
1: But I think part of that was chemically induced.
2: Well, he's still, uh, he, 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 was, uh, he still had the herb on him, I guess. He's Let's killed see. a lot of
1: brain cells.
0: I see no, oh no, I do see Stanford. Stanford was on his offer list. Well done, Kerry. I wouldn't have been able to call that up. Um, that was pre-David Shaw. I was I gonna it. say
3: it was Stanford. All well, that would have
2: been
1: Harbaugh. Did, did that mean something different? That still that would have been Harbaugh. I mean, Harbaugh it, uh, Shaw would have been Shaw the OC. Was there for, for Harbaugh? See the
2: story out today about Harbaugh, his players.
1: No, no. One of his players. I've not watched uh, this series yet. This Michigan thing. I I've seen outtakes.
2: It looks pretty good. Uh, one of Jim Harbaugh's players up in Michigan has been uh tweeting death threats to his coach. To Harbaugh. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. He Is said, "Tweeting some, them." Yeah, he said something <laughs> to the effect of, uh, "They have conceal and carry in Ann Arbor, and he won't be afraid to use it or something."
0: Holy he hell! He was suspended from the school.
1: <laughs> yeah, you lose your ability to be a student when you do things like that. I was
0: going he's a little lucky he would not be you know suspended from you know life outside of you know
1: caged walls.
0: He's going to have to uh, go through some
1: psychiatric evaluation before he can reapply.
0: It was, the yeah. story
1: was out today. Yeah. I
0: because I mean. Everybody right now is pretty accepting of jokes about, you know, guns on campuses. Oh,
2: yeah. The school shooting comedy scene is yeah. fired up right now. Vibrant.
1: Mm-hmm. Actually, they're busy fighting with the 9-11 comedy team. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> That's true. Uh, okay. The weekend overall, I think we can all say it was a huge success. The the Trace Adkins worries, they, they were not... Oh, I, it I, I, overblown is that what. It overblown. I'll tell you guys this: like everybody's in. I know, like the Bill Haston I talked to him. He was like so upset and beside himself that oh, you paid one hundred fifty thousand dollars to get fifteen thousand dollars to get Trace Adkins. I told I told you guys this off. Like I was talking to Joe Castiglione. I said, "Hey, I know you guys sold those twenty-five dollar tickets for like floor or whatever. Like how many of those did you sell? You know how many they sold? 2,700 Jesus. They made over sick almost seventy thousand dollars, just selling premium tickets to come see Trace Adkins. So they essentially paid him like fifty grand to be there. Out of what else they made
2: is the, the other part of that too. Can you say for a school like OU, it's one hundred fifteen thousand dollars kind of
1: that chump change a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, they pay. Don't they pay that much to get like Jack Black to come in? I don't. I forgot
2: how much it was. I think they actually paid. Trey Sackins more than they paid Jack, uh, Jack White.
1: Jack and, White. Jack and White.
2: Jack White actually played a concert, like a full concert. Yeah.
1: Well, he had a writer with a guacamole and then they published <laughs> That's it. That's true. He lost <laughs> shit. That's true. That's true. But, I mean, I don't know what the students paid. I mean, I think, like, OSU pays about $90,000 to get artists to come in sometimes.
2: For, like,. Um, like when they had orange peel and stuff like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just don't know if the concert's ever going to be
3: a big deal. I kept mentioning Florida State all last week. Vanilla Ice, Salt and pepper. I just, I don't I know. I would totally go to that. I don't know if the concert's ever going to be the main attraction.
1: You throw Tone Loke in there, I'm down.
2: It's, It was exactly what they wanted. And I told you guys, you know, I'm, I'm in the back setting up the tripod in the red room waiting to go in. And the team actually practiced or warmed up on the, on their practice field behind the stadium. They had music back there. You couldn't Blair even... so loud. You couldn't even tell that Trace Atkins was there. Yeah. Like, it was It was a complete non... And that's where all the recruits were. That's where all the families were. So, it... I think, and in, in, in myself included, it was way overblown. The Trace Atkins thing was to get fans into the stadium. Uh, they still... Technically, I guess outdrew Texas A and M, who had perfect weather in College Station on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, they did.
1: I mean, announced. I mean, that's what you have to go by. You have to go by announced totals. That means the people that they counted, they sold tickets. Now we know OU will count like personnel and stuff like that. Oh yeah, they. It,
2: it, it got it. <laughs> there were not fifty one thousand people in the stadium. I would have a hard time 52. believing that or fifty two, but. I, I would buy at least 44 in between 40 and 44. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like, as you said, Gary, it's tough to see exactly what that number is. And I'm sure of the there stadium. were people
1: that paid tickets that w- walked outside that day and like, screw nope. this.
3: Oh, <laughs> I,
2: I guarantee you there were.
3: And there were a lot of people that they said they were at the game, but it got too cold. They go to concession stand to warm up. Yeah. So it always looked empty, too.
1: Yeah, after you know, after about halftime, I thought uh, th- if this second half goes like thirty minutes an hour, like these stands are going to be completely empty. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody's going to be here. I bet some people probably came to Bob Stoops thing and they're like, "It's too cold. Let's go home. Watch it on TV." But the TV thing was screwed up too. Nobody saw
3: Travis DeGrate's interception. Well, they did
1: things to thinks
3: Scoop h I put it out.
1: I put
2: it out. Putnam City. Uh, we got a Putnam City Brothers have to back each other up, even though we Didn't have a rivalry. Didn't go to the same high school. Right.
1: Okay, so. Uh, just shit on West people. Overall, though, I mean, I, I thought it went. Son of a. <laughs> I thought it went really well. Uh, Lincoln Riley talked about, I asked him about just how it went and uh, kind of what, uh, what he thinks about this type of weekend moving forward
4: i mean it's been it's been awesome you know it, it has it's uh You know, it's just it's kind of one thing after another. It's it's a lot, uh, but it's but it's great. And I think we've got big plans for it. I I think this could not only become a huge weekend just for OU football, but for our entire athletic program, uh, our entire university. I think you can build a lot around what you can potentially do this weekend. And so those are conversations that we've already started to have as we look towards the future and know that now, you know, next time we get a full year to really build this, we get something to look back on and say, hey. here's what we did, here's what went well, here's what we can do better. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought we were off to a great start. I mean, we, we put our heart and soul into this one. I mean, every ounce we had, we put into this one. But we'll be ready to do it again even better next year. I think our fans will know what to expect. And uh, I think we can build a lot more around it as far as the university and make it great for, for everybody, not just OU football.
1: And I said this, next year, why not do Baker Mayfield's statue dedication? During oh, the for the yeah.
2: uh, the Heisman Trophy? Yeah, yeah. I, I almost guarantee you that's something that is possibly done. As long as they don't do it on Masters weekend, We're I'm good. Yeah. I I support any idea as long as it's not on the uh, first weekend of April or second weekend of April, whatever it is. You
3: know, the salute to Stoops brought all the former players back. How are they going to be able to do that every single year? I,
2: I think that would... It's, it's going to be tough because you have to take into account a lot of those guys, you know, a lot of those, like Joe Mixon, he showed up for minicamp on Monday. Uh, but I think in a way, if you can make it a yearly thing, kind of like the uh, OU basketball does with their alumni but that, weekend. But that, you
3: know, takes a dip with every passing right, year. Right. where it loses interest.
2: Yeah. I was surprised Sammy B came back. I was too. I saw the quotes and I was like, I don't believe that he's there. This must be on video. <laughs>
1: So he didn't he didn't let you know he wasn't in, coming into town?
2: I guess not. Or no, he didn't. No, he didn't. I'm a little I'm a little hurt about it.
1: I'm a little worried about you too. Uh there goes
2: my uh I'm not going to Arizona now. How about that? <laughs> I'm not going to Phoenix. Uh
1: well, and you know, one thing that that people have talked about, which I think this could go hand in hand with the fact that, you know, Oklahoma has a tradition of playing great defense, yet the perception is And the reality is lately they haven't. But people have always talked about why don't you come up with some type of a Heisman Plaza for defensive guys like the Selman Brothers or Roy Williams or um, Gerald McCoy, Tommy Harris. Like, you could do something along those lines so you'd have something every year you could unveil during the spring. Uh, Can you imagine, like, if somebody did the Roy Williams Superman as a statue?
2: Yeah, I... I think the,
1: the exclusivity of exclusivity.
2: Ex- exclusivity. I went to Putnam north. Okay, I went to a public school my entire life. I'm not. So
1: did I went to Duncan High School? Well, know, yeah, it's
2: a little different. We don't we don't use those words up in Northwest Oklahoma City. Uh, I, I think though that like having only four or you know five is but neat. you
1: don't put them in Heisman Park. You put them somewhere somewhere else. else? Yeah,
2: where else? Put them on the north side of the stadium. I think it's kind of like the the argument of, against uh, the retiring of jerseys. It's like you don't want to be the Yankees that have the entire number system retired now. So you
1: don't think that Gerald McCoy or no, Allen Trophy not... winner should shouldn't be honored in some way? Brian Bosworth shouldn't be honored. No, a two time yeah. Buckus Award winner.
2: I guess, yeah. I mean, they it, the Selman brothers their their work their play on the field definitely deserves it.
1: Yeah, Is there only one. Selman I guess I'm wrong. Alive now.
2: I guess I'm wrong on that. I don't know. I, I think that will be something that definitely is... Uh, I tell you what, I would, I would
1: put Sooner Scoop's weight behind a GoFundMe to raise money to start a defensive plaza.
2: Defensive line plaza?
1: Or not D-line, but I mean, it could be... I mean, hell, you, you don't think that uh, Derek Strait deserves... He's a Nagurski and a Thorpe Award winner? Yeah. All-American?
2: I don't know. I, I do they and I haven't even been into like the new like the where they have all the trophies and stuff in the Switzer Center. Do they not have a some type of tip of the cap to the defensive side of the ball? I really don't know. I'm trying to
1: think where that is.
2: I have no idea.
0: Hmm.
2: They might not. They've I, got I, the Heisman.
1: They've got the Heisman's. There's a little office, little nook right across from Lincoln Riley's off end, yeah. like office. that like they, It's like a holding room for recruits and their families. But they've got like all the Heisman sitting in there. Do they? And some trophy stuff.
2: I don't know. I, I guess that would probably be the next little venture for them. I mean, they have everything else that you could possibly think of. I wonder, and it, it kind of gets overshadowed, but this was really... Was this the first time that they were able to... Well, not the first time, but for the first time they were able to really show off all the new facilities i mean i know that they've brought people in but this was the first time that everything is done there's nothing that there's what would have been done during
1: the season last year
2: well just as as like a i don't know maybe not an overlook but i don't know maybe not maybe i'm I'm just just saying no yeah probably not uh
1: okay let's let's you whiffed on one. It's, it happens. It's okay. Uh, let's get back into the recruiting. Uh, I think we've broken down the spring game and everything surrounding it enough. Uh, Josh, let's start with you.
2: I think Josh is away for a minute.
1: Is he away for a minute? Yeah. Okay. I'm to go to Bob. Uh, Bob, will go to you uh, since you are available and Josh is not. Okay, so coming out of the weekend, we know, you know who is committed, who is not. What do you where do you where would you say oh you made the mo- made up the most ground with guys that that did not commit this weekend?
3: I think you look at something like Chris Steele is obviously the one you have to circle the five star corner from California. You thought he was a USC lock going into the visit, and it's too early to say that he's a Sooner for sure. But him moving up his commitment date to July seventh, the the time that he had on the visit, the The vibe you get from other recruits surrounding some of Steele's tweets, you get a real impression that the Sooners turned a corner there. And I look at offensive line for a couple of those guys, too. Stacey Wilkins is one that you absolutely will have to watch in the next couple weeks. He'll go to Bama this weekend, and then I think he'll be ready to make his choice. And for a kid that grew up in California, now plays in Arkansas, and you thought he'd be a Razorback for sure— he seems like he's going to be the initial offensive tackle commit for OU's 2019 class. And that's a great way to start.
2: Surprising the uphill battle that Chad Morris is having to, like I I was reading an article out of Fayetteville yesterday, uh, how he is basically having to rebuild a program that, and it, ha, it was very Arkansas slanted, but, they, are, they have a lot they, of that thing same, has been ground into the ground so much by Bielema.
1: they have and they have so I think that they have very similar problems to what Texas has which is uh I think they have too many people in the administration behind the scenes uh, too many do- big you know, money boosters donors. that are you know have their hands involved in things it's just like the little rock thing that they're going through they had their spring game. Or having their spring game at a stadium that won't allow them to host recruits because it's not on their campus. It's incredible. Why, why would you even... It's like, who... How do you have a program where you can't go to someone and say, look, this hurts our program to do it this way. We can't do it. Yeah. I, I can't believe that you would have a fan base that is so rooted in a tradition that they're willing to hurt their own program in order to keep doing it.
3: Uh, I, it's like they have to. Of course, wait. Ole
1: Miss fans wouldn't get rid of the Rebel flag. They, got, That's you know, they have that
3: the wait to the game is over, then go back to Fayetteville, and then the recruits can hang out with the coaches again. So, so it's bizarre. ridiculous.
1: It
2: that just shows you the the effect that money has on a program. And I know people bitch about it sometimes at Oklahoma with oil being down. I think it's com- making a comeback, but at the same time, it's like. It's a problem. At least
1: Oklahoma has. I mean, there's there's an advantage to not being held hostage by a T. Boone Pickens. Right.
2: And I, I think that, you know, for a large part, a lot of responsibility that has gone on to the three heads of the program for a while, and, and Dave Bourne and Joe Castiglione and yeah. Bob Stoops. So and I don't think Lincoln will play that shit either. So, Josh, are you
0: back? I am, in fact, back. Sorry about that, guys. That's, of course, the timing when you guys would get into recruiting, so... That's, That's okay, that goes. we got Bob
1: now. We didn't need you.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm obsolete. I get it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, we were talking about... Uh, Bob covered it nicely. We were talking about Chris Steele. talking about uh, the... Uh, uh, Stacey Wilkins. Stacey Wilkins. Uh, uh, just kind of the guys they've really made inroads with uh, coming out of the weekend. Was there anybody else that you really thought or have kind of heard you know that maybe he's somebody to keep an eye on here pretty soon? Well, the, the one that probably
0: sticks out to me that you guys haven't already covered is Jaden Davis, uh, the cornerback from St. Thomas Aquinas. I, he announced, uh, I believe it was last night, that he's going to also, just like Chris Steele, he's going to announce his commitment in July. I think any time a guy comes out from a visit and is immediately like, okay, I'm now making my decision on X, that, that's usually a good sign. I mean, now a lot can happen between now and then. Jaden Davis, I think, is going to take a few more officials being a South Florida guy, obviously there's going to be a lot of pressure from Miami and a lot of other programs. And at St. Thomas Aquinas, obviously he'll have every alumni pulling at him in one direction or another just because there's so many elite players from that program. But he's definitely a guy that I got the impression oh you made a big move with uh, almost almost immediately. Like uh, after all the three commitments on Friday, he tweeted out the eyeballs and I kind of hit him up and was like, what's happening here, man? And, and he was like, I, I love it. You know, like, I mean, it was just almost immediate. He responded to what OU was pitching him. And I, I think it's just one of those guys kind of like Jerry and Jones. You know, I started talking about this early last week that I was hearing a lot of positive stuff, and everybody was like, oh, it's Mississippi State or Alabama. And I, I didn't, ha- I wasn't, I really felt like I was getting my information from a fairly, fairly limited point of view. So I kind of thought maybe I'm, oh, you know, maybe I'm overstating it a little bit. But, I mean, now you look, a week later, and Jerrion Jones is committed to Oklahoma. I mean, I I think Oklahoma really, really made big strides in the secondary. And what's interesting to me is with Jones on board and Jamal Morris on board, I I think Oklahoma wants to take three safeties. And it's – I mean, they really get to just say, Dax, you're our guy. Dax Hill, you're the only guy we're worrying about. You're our number one target. Maybe our number one target on defense. Maybe – maybe number one target remaining and they just get to sell out full sale to him and try to finish off what they've got at corner. Maybe, you know, just kind of continue to solidify their situation there at corner and kind of wait to see what happens with steel and Davis in July. And Oklahoma could have the makings. You know, we talked last year about that defensive line group being one of the best, you know, since Bob Stoops arrived and I, this secondary group's got a chance to be better than anything, Anything O U signed in a long, long time.
2: What's the What was the biggest selling point this weekend when you talk to guys that they really, whether it be just Riley or Bacon, Bacon, the atmosphere. I mean, was there a was there a number one selling point? You
0: think it's cliche, but it's the same thing I keep hearing, and you know Bob could probably add because I'm going to guess he's heard the same thing. Family. I keep hearing family. Like it's just all so close, and the players and the coaches. It's all there's a good feeling when they're around the football facilities, and just how much, you know, Theo. You know, like I mentioned earlier, Theo talked about this being an orchestrated thing. I think a lot of the guys, and I don't even know that they know they're responding to it, but the level of organization you're seeing in Oklahoma's recruiting right now, I think that's a big part of it. Like, I think Theo and RJ and Jamal bought into guys, you could start something here. You could start this whole weekend. You're going to fire it off, and then we're going to just roll through the rest of the weekend. We're going to keep adding guys. The weekend's going to get bigger even as the months roll on. You know, that kind of thing. And you didn't see that sort of orchestration in years past. You know, Oklahoma just kind of got who they got, and, you know, that's fine. There was no bigger, you know, plan to what they were doing. And now you see it, and I think players, like I said, whether they realize it or not, they respond to that because it seems like we've got a vision. This is where we're going forward, and I and I can tell you, talking to somebody um, yesterday, uh, excuse me, Sunday night, I was having a conversation with somebody, and they're like, "Oklahoma's going to win national championship." Like, I mean, I'm not talking about one of the recruits. I'm talking about a a coach in the Big Twelve, like someone in the ranks, because they're just so impressed with the way OU is recruiting and the way they're building things together, as to where. Texas had a higher-ranked class last year, but I think we all talked about it was built on one position being completely overstocked and Texas having no way to play all those guys.
1: I thought it was interesting yesterday that uh, Lincoln Riley retweeted uh, Jace McClellan's commitment tweet. It just happened to follow right after they did a commitment from 2020 kid to the Knighton kid uh, over the weekend. Uh, I don't know if that was a preemptive strike, but I think one of you also noticed that Kerry Cooks did the same thing. Uh, is that... You think that's precautionary? You think maybe there was some talk like, uh, maybe he's mad that we offered another running back, or, or we got that running back.
3: I don't know if he's mad, but I think that other schools are going to use that. Yeah. And yeah. say, you know, Jace, you're supposed to be this number one guy. Why is this school getting a second? Do they not believe in you? Well, with us, you would be our no, our number one guy. You mm-hmm. can... Definitely see that being played. Or if I'm out. Lincoln,
1: I'm saying, "Well, you know why you're they're only guys because that's all they can get. It's just one guy.
2: Yep. I'd love to be a fly on the wall and listen to some of these, not
1: pitches that Riley makes, vicious attacks he makes against other
2: the people. The rebuttal that he comes back with yeah, when when they come with something. You
3: know,
1: I it, mean, it's, it's it's. I think about this all the time, but like Lincoln Riley, and it's always like. There's that question like god I wish I could have seen Mike Leach coach at a you know a a, a traditional power mm-hmm. you know just to see what it would be like if he could recruit great athletes well Thanks this might nothing, be Tennessee. the closest thing that we've ever seen to like one of the best coordinators in the game getting to coach at one of the best like I think the SEC has mastered that with defensive coordinators but nobody's mastered that with an offensive coordinator of this style yet. I think that's why everybody wanted it to happen in Knoxville. You, oh, you know the last Lee. guy yeah. that I can
0: think comparable as far as an offensive mind that could really recruit because he was you know open and his personality was good. The old ball coach,
1: yeah, Steve Spurrier, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean that that's that's what that reminds me. I, I never really had thought of it in that context, Kerry. But that's that's the closest thing I can think of of a guy who's a real offensive savant. That really kind of created something. I mean, that, because I mean, you can say Lincoln has his roots in Mike Leach's tree,
1: and I, and I understand that he does. But, but
0: we all know he's created Mike Leach something is crazy, different offensively.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Leach is certifiably insane. I mean, yeah. He, he, he has an unbelievable system, but there is a series of tunnels and tubes going through his brain he's that that's very difficult. <laughs> yes.
0: The man's a treasure. I'll say it it again. That that dude. God, I'd love to interview him. He would just be fun. And I would. I I don't think I could bring myself to talk about football. i just want to talk about other stuff. Be a waste Um, of time. One guy I did want to mention. um, You know, and I know actually two, and they're both 2020 guys. But real quick, uh, J.B. Hester.
1: You guys, is it just is it just a case of just kind of watching with Jace? You think it's just it's just precautionary what they're doing?
0: I don't. I, I think there. I think there's some valid concern with, with Jace, not just because of Jalen Knighton, but I think he was always willing to look around.
1: And he, he already scheduled Georgia and all that yep, stuff I mean, yep. after he was committed. At, at,
0: to me, I think the bigger concern for OU, when, as far as Jace went, was when OU offered Zach Evans. I think Zach and Jace have always had a little bit of a rivalry kind of thing where... Zach is the big guy in Houston. Jace is the big guy in DFW. And, and and now that's even been contested by Seth McGowan a little bit. But, I mean, they've been the two-name guys since early on, and they're both from huge programs or produce tons of guys. And so I think there's always been a little rivalry. So when OU went in with Evans and then he came up a couple weekends ago, I I, I think something got fed in there. And then obviously with Knighton committing, well, then where do I fit into the whole plan? And I – I've said it before. I, I'm probably at best fifty-fifty. Jace McClellan ends up part of that class.
1: Interesting. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. You were gonna. You were gonna add something. No, no. Yeah.
0: To. Sorry. I, and I had. I had sidetracked this. I kind of forgot. Uh, with with two 2020 guys, I guess to kind of feed into the same conversation. Jv and Hester, the wide receiver from Booker T. I, I'm almost certain Bob's hearing the same things I am. Rivals 100 guy, really elite talent he's as foregone an Oklahoma commitment. That's not already committed as any guy I know. Like every, everything I hear is, OU. he's just going to have some fun. He's going to take some trips and then he'll probably end up at Oklahoma. I would say he's, he's a guy I could go even at this early point, 75, 80%. I mean, he looks very locked in to me, uh, Darian green Warren, uh, the corner from, uh, modern day and, and Southern California guy with o- Oklahoma ties. He's from the Edmond area. Um, Literally came out and told me he very strongly committed. I think if his parents wouldn't have pulled him back from it, he would have committed this weekend. Uh, Told me OU is clearly his number one school. Uh, It still wouldn't shock me if a week or two from now he went ahead and made a decision, but I think that's really what he wants to do. Now, obviously, he's a modern-day guy. He's right in Southern, you know, USC's backyard. There's a lot going on there. So there would still be more race to run, but I don't think there's any question that Oklahoma put themselves right near the top for one of the, not just, you know, not just a good corner, but really one of the nation's elite cover guys. It's
3: it's funny you bring up Green Warren because you're getting it from the kid. I'm getting it from his father, Martin, and they were blown away by that visit. He said that OU went above and beyond anything they expected, and I think that's why. We have felt that you know pretty confidently he's going to be a part of this class. Doesn't matter when it happens; it's going to go go down. And, and to get someone like that from a school like that, where OU really hasn't had much success ever, would be a nice shot in the arm to try to start building something at that uh, pipeline.
0: Bob, do you feel like this is the class where maybe everyone can start to appreciate how good Kerry Cooks is as a recruiter? Like I feel like. Through the years, I would see signs of it. You know, you would see, like, Brendan Radley-Hiles or, you know, this guy here or there, but you wouldn't see him, like, it didn't seem like it could all come together and people would kind of be like, oh, is he as good as, you know, everybody says he is? You know, that kind of thing. I feel like this 2019 and then moving into 2020, it feels like he's starting to flex his muscles a little bit.
3: People are loving Kerry Cook from January mm. through September, but they need to start seeing production on the field or they're going to start... Asking for him to go, and the way sure. the, the way the secondary has played the last two seasons, like he's bringing in all these top guys. What are they doing on the field? How come we're not seeing that these guys are making us any better? So, and he's
1: basically been with this group now. You know, I mean, he's been he was here when Houghton first came in. I mean, wasn't he? Was Houghton here a year before he got here? Maybe.
3: Well, he he had to accept Houghton. That, that was the, the first group, you know, P.J. and and okay, Antoine yeah. Stevens. Yeah. Like, he got rid of all the guys that didn't fit what he was looking to do. So he's basically got his his guys now. Yeah. Kind of like what Bill Biedenboe was able to do with the Patton and Kittle leftovers. Now you're seeing, when he's got his guys, what they can produce. Yeah, Cooks is got to do the same thing starting with this God, season. Bill
1: Biedenboe, that poor bastard. He had no, he had nothing. Yeah, Derek uh, Farniok and Josiah Saint John and
0: God, What he has done with that O line is akin to what Bill Snyder did with Kansas State football.
1: Oh, come on! <laughs> it's that <laughs> bad. Like, it was that, that is bad. disrespectful wow. to Bill Snyder.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not saying. I mean, like Snyder did it with a whole program. Bill did it with one position, so I understand that there's a different scope. But it, that's how bad it is to how good it is now. No, it, I mean. That O-line, like, guys, if Bill Bedenboe stayed there for 20 years, do you think OU's ever going to have a serious problem on the offensive line?
1: You know what's crazy is that that 2011 team uh, that Bob had when I was going back doing uh, – and I put these up on the website. I haven't really done a whole lot with them to promote it. But I put, like, a Bob Stoops over the years thing. And, like, we're out there at spring practice. We get a photo shoot. and It's been this way forever, even back in 2011. You get a photo shoot in spring practice. You get a photo shoot in the fall, and uh, then games start. But like I was looking at that 2011 team, and remember that team, Landry Jones was a quarterback. It got derailed because Ryan Broyles blew out his knee against Texas A&M late in the season. Um, but that was also the team that lost to Texas Tech at home in that unthinkable game. Uh, when it rained and then they came back out The delay game Yeah, that's what derailed their season But remember, they went and they beat Florida State And it, it and they started the season number one overall They were the number one team in the country uh, Did they go to Missouri and lose that year? Was that Alden? Lost to
0: Blaine Gabbert Was it? Was that didn't Roy Finch? Speaking of Roy Finch, didn't he have a bad fumble that night? I
1: don't know, I just remember Landry Jones throwing it right to that Alden mm. Smith guy yeah. Just right into his chest Was it Alden Smith? Yeah who, like who would have known? He was probably, God, he was probably shit faced that he's night. He's probably whacked out of his mind. Yeah, just, mm-hmm. he's running for a touchdown going, most greatest dream I ever had. What if,
2: if you could turn back time, do you think Landry Jones tries to convert him that night? And Alden Smith never has the trouble in the NFL
1: that he does. If he had been successful, something to think about. Uh,
0: Landry could have saved him.
1: Anyway, that, the fallacy of that team wasn't so much the personnel as it was the coaching staff. Was that was that Kittle I mean, Kittle Kittle Central Patton, Patton. I mean, remember Wilson who had, had left. Who he brought had in Heupel to be your offensive coordinator because Wilson had just gone to Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. Willie Martinez. You had Willie Martinez. You had Bobby oh. Jack Wright. You had you had Jackie Ship. I mean, that was a that was a coaching staff that was old and. Really, who was your redeeming
0: element? Brent,
1: Brent, Brent Venables. Wow,
0: I mean, and some of those guys were good, but just had they just weren't there anymore.
1: And I mean, mean, really, you look at it now, Brent got a lot of shit and people were unhappy, but he didn't exactly have a great staff around him. Yeah, yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And I think you can argue Mike came in and didn't go well, but you know, that's why Bob had to do a cleaning of the houses. I mean. Because, I mean, he had Bobby Jack, and he had, I mean, remember, they blew out Martinez to bring Mike in, but Bobby Jack stayed. Uh, Ship hadn't been fired yet because he had lost his mind in recruiting. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a recovery period, and like you said, Cooks is part of it. I mean, they've had, it didn't help that they had a revolving, you know, door at defensive line coach. Dyeron Reynolds is in a bunch of those pictures, and. You almost forget he was ever a part of the program because it was so quick. Talk about a, just a
2: not even a cup of coffee, like half of a two drinks. His family of a cup.
1: never left their house. Like did they not? They just no, kept they, living yeah, in the same they house stayed. they lived in when we coached at Stanford because he knew he was going to be back there eventually. That's crazy.
0: So do you think he like rented an apartment over a garage? He was like, I'm just here for a minute. <laughs> he like, probably just lived again. in
1: Mike Stoop's spare room. <laughs> he was in charge of making the coffee in the morning. He's Bob's cabana boy. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, that was, it was really strange to go back and look at that and realize, yeah, that staff was falling apart. I mean, that was on Bob. That was
2: certainly a turning point because I think that's when Bob knew that things needed to change, and then the rest is history.
1: But it didn't really happen until 2014. Two, two years later, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Those were some... <laughs> it's funny
2: to look back on it now, but those were some dog years of... of Really good football. If if that
1: is that some like, really good play. I mean, you realize Lane Johnson was a defensive end yeah. in 2011. It's incredible. It's incredible that they still. Well, and I guess they did. Like Eric Colvin play. was on that team. Tony Jefferson. Yeah. Uh, Stills. Uh, Stills. Broyles. Damian Williams. Damian Williams was on that team. Those are guys. All the, all of those guys are still. NFL Travis not Lewis, players, who, but, you know, at least had an NFL career and was actually a damn good linebacker. Yeah. Just that Tom Wart was next to him.
2: Did Travis Lewis come back around very much?
1: No, never. I don't think so. I, don't, I couldn't even tell you where he's
2: at these
0: he's days. He's
1: just a weird dude. He damn. was always a weird dude.
0: I think that's kind of interesting because he's very... I mean, he's raw, raw about OU on Twitter. You'll see him Is post he really? us, like, I didn't realize that. I'm, I, don't, I guess I don't follow him. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean... I guess it's probably been a while since I could say I saw that from him, but I know once upon a time he always was.
1: So, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of talent on that team. Well, they are certainly after this weekend. I mean,
2: if we want to transfer over a little bit to uh, the basketball side, Bob, was this the best recruiting weekend in the history of the school when you throw in Aaron Kaliksta, who, I mean, they needed him in a bad, bad way over the Lloyd Noble Center.
3: Yeah, they had to get a grad transfer point guard. You look at Trey Young, it's supposed to be two and done. So they didn't recruit a 2018 point guard whatsoever. And then by the time you realize Trey's leaving, well, it's too late. You're not going to get with any elite kid at this point. You can't build a relationship in two, three months and try to get him. So to get Aaron this late in the game is huge. Go back-to-back weekends. Get Miles Reynolds from Pacific, another grad uh, transfer combo guard, and now you have Aaron, so you're, you're solidified at point guard to lead the way, Davion Harmon for the 2019 class. It was a mix and match, a lot of, you know, piecing it together. But Lon Krueger, Chris Crutchfield, Carlin Hartman, they did the job. I feel like this is the 2018-2019 team for better or worse. You know, you talk with sources, you're going to be a lot more mature, you're going to play a lot harder on defense. Not sure if they'll have the offensive firepower, but at least I think we'll see a lot more effort.
1: I thought it was interesting. Uh, Davian Davian Harmon has kind of tweeted out some things in support of the football program. Mm-hmm. Like if you were wondering, oh, yeah. kind of like where he was. I I think the fact that his family is here and they're big OU fans and they see what's going on with campuses. I, mean, I don't know how often he comes down or comes up.
2: Oh, well, I I it's it's important because I there were some rumors, you know. Four or five months ago that this was going to be a big summer for him he was going to get bigger offers and maybe have better options if you will like bigger basketball schools
3: yeah and he's a big Noah Kane guy because he went Denton Geyer. okay he's doing all he can to get the four-star running back to join students for the 2019 class
1: yeah but I mean he's for Kruger I think he's essential moving forward you've got to keep him yeah absolutely when it, how long until he can sign? Is it December for him too? For uh, for for, uh, Harman, for, the, yeah. for the basketball November 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 would November, be the right, first November, one, yes. and then yeah. Yeah. I would, you know, everything
2: is in line for him to sign. Then I would yes, think right now,
3: right. and they're doing such a great job recruiting for the 2019 class. They just all of a sudden had this hiccup with McGusty and Jordan Shepard, and so they had to go back. McGusty going to Miami. That's strange. I thought he was a lock for Houston. I. You know, you just go back home, it would have been a perfect fit. But ch- choose the Hurricanes, yeah. You know, it sounds like McGusty, not gonna say cancer, like that goes a little too far, but a lot of locker room problems stemmed from McGusty. A
1: guy that definitely wanted to be a bigger part of things, yeah. Yes, than he was.
3: and someone who couldn't accept the role that was being asked of him to do. Sounds like a great person, but as him on the floor didn't really mesh well with the other talents that, that were in Norman.
1: It seems to me that Jemani McNeese is kinda he he gets along with everybody. Yes. Absolutely. Like there's he's not a he's never gonna be a problem. Mm-mm. He's always gonna be a glue guy for you. I hope he becomes like a really big part of, of the offense. I mean, he he'll he'll be the starting center.
3: You're looking at Christian Doolittle or Brady Manick, whoever wins that fourth spot. I'm wondering if Hannes Polya ends up overtaking Matt Freeman. For the backup center spot, I mean that's. I was a little surprised that OU elected to. Let I'm surprised that Austin Trice to go because I thought they needed more help in the post, but that's what they they decided to do. I'm
1: surprised that they even have the guts to call Matt Freeman a center. I'm surprised he's still around, to be honest. I am too. I thought he. That's would, what I yeah. Be th- out of here.
3: I thought I'd be processed Forced exit. Yeah, where you you know Cam and Jordan were of their own choosing. I did think. They might have told Matt to go. But the thing about Matt, another great from practice. From New Zealand, mate,
1: I can't go anywhere.
3: Another great practice player, another great teammate. No one has anything And they kind of need those Matt. guys around yep. the
1: program right now. Uh, okay, you guys, let's talk a little bit about the Bob Stoop stuff before we get out of here. Uh, we went over to a celebration on Friday night. And, Bob, I thought, he, you know, it's kind of one of those things you haven't talked to him in a while. He's kind of settled a little bit. Uh, it gives you a chance to ask some big-picture questions of Bob and uh, in, in kind of where he is. And I thought he had some really interesting things to say. Bob?
3: I, I, are you playing audio? No, no, no. no I mean, oh, I, 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 was,
1: <laughs> I was getting your... I will be playing audio, but I was I was setting you <laughs> oh, up yeah, for your thoughts. Oh, yeah,
3: definitely. I mean, he's just so laid back, so engaging. And you, you did kind of hear that. Even as we were talking to him, we started to realize, like you know, it's, I'm still waiting for what's coming up next. Maybe it is time to he start did, looking back.
1: He did it. take time out to let Hoover <laughs> piss him off. For a minute.
3: <laughs> it was almost like that
2: was that was it was almost like that was part of the script though. That had that wouldn't that would that brought everything full circle for Bob. <laughs> like he, need, Ho- he needed to piss that. Him off? Yeah, he needed that. To happen
3: for people that don't know, that was about the statue, about the sighting of it in 2015, and the way Hoover phrased his question was not to Stoops' liking. <laughs> I'm trying to, I've,
1: I've actually got it somewhere, I need to look it up, but uh, I tell you what, let me play uh, Bob. And this was, I, I thought, pretty cool. He, every time that I've run into him or talked to him or, or text that we've shared. It, it really has been, and, and this was the most eloquent he ever said it, but he has always said, like, uh, yeah, I, I knew it wouldn't be good, or I, I'm not comfortable being retired, and I really don't know what to do with myself, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm, I'm still 100% sure I did the right thing, uh, and here's Bob kind of talking more about that.
5: No, it was hard, but I—it's I, what I expected. I, I knew it would be hard. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It just, it's just—it's just such a—it's—it's it's such a change, you know. So it's—it's it's been difficult, but I knew that, you know. I knew it would be, and that, you know, uh, you deal with it and you, you keep moving forward. But uh, again, that doesn't mean it isn't the right. Uh, it wasn't right for me. It was. Uh, it's just uh, haven't adjusted to it totally. And that's okay. I, I am, little by little, little. Little more travel, little more golf, a lot more golf. Uh, little longer workouts, not having to hustle back to a meeting. So it's all, it's all been good. And that
1: was, you know, I don't know. Eddie will not understand me saying this, but I don't know how you can play that much golf. Like, it's just not in my... Like, I've given up golf as I've gotten older, just because I didn't have time to go out and spend three hours on the course in the middle of a day, was it wasn't four. <laughs> four. Yeah, I mean, well, I was really good. Um, what? You just, so you played fast? <laughs> Fa- playing fast doesn't make you good. <laughs> I didn't have to hit my ball as many times as other people. Um, no, but I mean, it's like I loved playing golf, but like that's not like that's all Bob loves. He loves to play golf, like. More than anyone I think I've ever known it's I think it's a
2: not a addictive wouldn't be the right word but i I definitely think that there is something about it's how he gets to compete now how you it's how he gets to compete but he also probably it's also how he relaxes I think yeah. you know it would be comparable to you on a Friday night turning on uh vinyl or something I think it's
1: I don't know i mean I, people enjoy it i guess would be the best way to say it why don't you why, why would it be like me on a friday night with one of my several ladies or something like that why wouldn't you say that
2: well i just i i don't know i <laughs> i'm digging myself a hole here
1: yeah let's see let's see you go after the boss let's see it uh now here is the uh the aforementioned uh, hoover fight which was fantastic to, i mean i was i was just honored to be a part of another one of these
5: figuratively speaking you've kind of rolled your eyes at this whole statue thing but tomorrow's the well, whoa, 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 no, no, that's not that. phrased correctly at all. Oh, okay. It never rolled my eyes, A great appreciation yeah. for, you know, OU, our administration doing this whole thing. Maybe what you're trying to say, it's not in my nature to, to want something like that, but uh, I so appreciate it to, to be in that group of coaches with, of course, Benny, Bud, and, and Barry, and uh, gotten to know Barry so well. Uh, such a great guy. and uh, So I'm, uh, I'm very humbled by it and appreciate it, the, the efforts by everyone to do that. And, uh, you know, I spent my whole career walking into Barry Switzer Center. And that, that's no small deal to walk by what he did, you know, in his record all those years. So... You know, to have a place alongside him is pretty special. And not, not pretty special. It's incredibly special.
1: And, you know, he mentioned the Switzer Center. But, yeah, I love that. No, no, no don't get twisted. So perfect. <laughs> so perfect for all the times that they went head-to-head. Yeah, just to have that happen. I enjoyed it. Uh, but he, he mentioned the Switzer Center. And this is one thing that I was really curious to talk to. And I haven't really talked to him a whole lot about it. And he was always weird about facilities because he didn't, you know, if he wanted it to, when he was coaching, if you wanted him to talk about facilities or something, he never wanted to do it because he didn't want to sound like he was being critical, like that, you know, Bourne or Castiglione weren't doing enough. But now that he's not there, uh, I had a chance to kind of ask him a little bit about, because you remember when he was first, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, when he was first at OU, even during the night of the national championship game, Lynn Swan during the broadcast was talking about reports of Bob going to Ohio State. Like, this was during the national championship game. And, of course, that kind of played itself out. And then the Florida thing came up where he, you know, considered going back to Florida. But, oh, you would always find a way to keep him happy and keep him there. And a big part of that was facilities. And uh, we talked a little bit about that. I mean, you first get here and you talk about all the problems. The facilities weren't great when you got here.
5: <laughs> and Boy, uh, Jesus. I mean that—that
1: that was one when you won the national championship in 2000. It started kind of a rebirth. You built the indoor. You built the east side stands. And even
5: Joe and President Bourne—they—they—we threw money into the locker room. The, the first month we were here started mm-hmm. changing it. Like, well, we're not walking in this every day. Yeah. And so they did what they could, even immediately. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. I'm so, but
1: so. and just to see where it is now. I mean, once you walk out yeah. the door, and there it's paying dividends now. You for, know what I mean? And I,
5: I'm proud of that as well. That I was part of the transformation of the unit of our facilities, stadium, and our working area. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like night and day. It's there's nothing to compare. You know now, and and I am proud that that was part of our. You know, my transition here and and being, you know, building what we have. And now you're right. We can recruit, we've we've got as either the best or as good as anyone uh, has with every part of our facility. How much of that- And indoor and Headington Hall and you know, everything that there is. When you talked about, you know, going back to Florida and when you make, you had people come after you. I mean,
1: Ohio State came after you, Florida came after you. Was Joe's commitment and David Bourne's commitment to rebuilding things a big part of why you- Absolutely.
5: Uh, They're, uh first of all, our working relationship, um, the trust we have with each other, um, the friendships. You know that these are the men that hired me, and they're and they're. Um, I trust what they say and do, and and they always had a commitment to keep moving forward. There was never a, you know, there was always something being built, something next coming, and you know, from the indoor to the dorms to the, you know, we've redone our players facility probably three times Mm -hmm. so you know there was always uh, a push to keep improving and keep pushing forward and yeah that was always a part of why I felt no I'm there there isn't a reason to leave here you know this is as good as it gets I'm working with the best people I could and the best people out there in the business and I don't take that for granted you know uh, your leadership and the people you work for as probably all of you know you know makes a difference and uh they were always great and always pushing forward. So, yeah, it's a reason I never, a strong reason why I felt uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay here and keep doing what we're doing. You know, it was interesting
1: too. At his statue ceremony, he said, "I've been, I've lived here longer than anywhere in my life. I'm an Oklahoman now." And I, Bob, you asked him something uh, Friday night about Drake and Isaac. And it really let you know, like he's here for the long haul. Like every day when I drive back from Oklahoma City from the radio station, I look to my right and I see the mansion there on I thirty (laughs) five, and I think, who doesn't? Who the hell would buy that? Like who is gonna buy that thing? So it it warms my heart a little bit to know that Bob is gonna have his house and won't have to sell it for probably pennies on the dollar. Uh, But you, yeah, you were you were asking about Drake and Isaac and that. I thought that was really interesting. Just kind of give you some insight into how he does view kind of the future here in Norman.
5: Uh, I love it. You know, I, I love that they'll 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 forge their own path, and uh, um, I love it that I can go watch them and still watch OU if that's the case, <laughs> not have to go somewhere else. Um, but uh, you know, I'm just excited for the opportunity. See what they can do. I. I I've told them, you know, they, they don't need to do anything because of me. It, it has to be what's in their heart. It, it's a it's a tough business, and if that's what they want to do, do it. If it's not, don't, you know. But uh, uh, so I'm, you know, hopefully it works well for them. I'm I'm excited about the coaches they'll be around because they're they're great men, and uh, that matters to me too. They'll be around the the right people, you know, and, and how they how they go through. You know, each work day and, and being with good people matters. Quickly, uh,
1: Josh or Bob, just your thoughts on Drake and Isaac playing I mean, at OU.
3: I love Drake. I have for the last couple of years. and not sure where he fits into the grand scheme of things, but he's someone that you know is going to give you every single thing he's got. I mean, it just always seemed, whenever Norman North needed a play the last two seasons, it was Drake who would come to the rescue I'm mean, again with a receiver bunch that they're bringing in especially that 2019 class that's getting ready to come here uh, next year not sure where he'll fit in but if he can do something on special teams yeah make some some headway there I, I think there are two guys that'll bring everything they got and that's what you need from any walk-on
0: I've said it before and I, I, I'm pretty firm about it. I think before he's done, Drake will be at least a two-year starter. I think he's going to end up a really, really good slot receiver, like a Hunter Renfro type guy. Yeah, like and I, you know, and Bob's right. I mean, you look at what they're doing at receiver right now; it's ridiculous. But there's no guy like that in this group. Like R.J. Henderson's kind of a you know for lack of a I guess just to make a comparison people could understand he's kind of a Sterling shepherd. he can work outside a little bit he can play inside he's not a pure slot that's not really what his role is going to be at least at least as I understand things now Drake fits a hole that I don't think they've you know Jaquelin Crawford's a guy but again with his speed he's going to be lined up outside and they're going to run vertical with him a lot so I mean there there isn't that guy that boy he'll pick up 7 for you he'll pick up 12 he's just going to work across the middle be a tough guy and make the you know make the contested catches that's what drake's going to be to me and like i said i think he's a two or three year starter he's one of those guys that even with the iowa offer i still don't think he quite got the attention he deserved i thought drake was a really good player yeah. that went overlooked because of who his dad you know everybody was like oh p- people are giving him attention cuz he's bob's kid no bob he was just really good and so I think he went overlooked. Isaac, I, I'm more like where Bob said. I, you, you kinda hope okay, maybe he can find a role in special teams, you know, he'll he'll do something like that. I don't I don't really see him puncturing the starting lineup or anything like that. But I mean, maybe by year five he's a good role guy, you know, that kind of thing. But I mean I think he, he's wonder gonna if need the, some more time. If,
1: like the 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 switch will flip with him because like like even right now, like you look at those two, Drake clearly spends more time in the weight room like than Isaac does. And you've always kind of got that feel like football is like Drake is very competitive. There's a real fire there with that kid. Isaac's more, you know, cerebral and uh, it just, you think, you know, he loves playing football, but doesn't seem to have that passion that Drake has for just being great or being as great as you can. I just wonder at some point if that, you know, if that changes a little, his mentality changes a little bit.
3: And you see with Drake on the basketball court, too. It seems like he loved playing basketball just as much as yeah. he loved playing football, and that's that competitive fire that was just with him every single time. You bring that to practice, you bring that against the ones every single day, that'll rub off, and that'll make an impression, and that'll make you accepted in the locker room no matter what your last name and, is.
1: And I think we all agree that Drake, his best chance to make an imp- impact is as a slot receiver, wonder, like, if Isaac, he didn't try safety or something. I mean, if that wouldn't be best. I mean, obviously, his dad was great safety in, in college. Maybe that's something that could, you know, interest him, you know, connect him more to the game. Uh, I, I I just, I think that's a possibility. I mean, it would be a good possibility for him. Uh, all right, uh want to get out of here, but there was one last thing, and I hate playing this, uh, but it is kind of interesting just from the last moments of bob stoops being a head coach bob knows what i'm talking about because i get very uncomfortable every time this comes up but bob was kind of asked just to go over what it was like uh those last moments you know when he was telling everyone that he was leaving as the head coach of oklahoma uh and kind of some interesting insights but you know basically what it comes down to is you had a coach that was retiring The word was getting out there And there was a race to tell his team Before it came out And you know We were a part of it that day And that was a really stressful day around here Because we knew what was going on And we are trying to wait for the clock To tick down so he could meet with his team And then we could release it And hope that nobody else got it But you know as the day goes along you have, You're starting to get calls from people at ESPN And uh, other media outlets are calling you Saying hey have you heard this or that And you're just like, damn, this just is really a getting wild, there. wild day in Norman. Uh, and it was nuts. And Bob kind of relived it a little bit, and it's kind of interesting. And unfortunately, he keeps talking about me when it comes up.
5: <laughs> yeah, that's that was hard. Uh, that was the only part that was hard for me because I knew I was doing what I felt was right for me, and and uh, wasn't solemn about it. I was I was ready for it, and it just but, you know, letting them know that there's going to be a change. You know, they're they're like your kids. It just you know, that's the only part that uh, to me was at all, you know, a little bit emotional that, look, you know, this this is what I need to do. And, uh, and they were great about it, you know, and let them know that the direction we were going to go. And after that, heck, they processed it for maybe 30 seconds and started standing up, giving me a standing ovation. So it was, it was great. You know, it was, it was okay. And, uh, uh, you know. Fortunately, Carrie, yeah, he's he's the one that knew first, and he held it so that I was trying to, he says, this real, I, and I told you, I hit him back, and I said, it's going to happen. I was hoping to get another day or two. We had it planned out, but I knew, you know, as soon as it starts traveling through different arenas, it's hard to keep keep down, and, uh, and I, so I asked him, I'm going to have a meeting with the players later. Would you keep it, you know, hold on to it, but, you know, Few people wouldn't do that, and that's how it goes. That's all right. Um, you might have got a bigger bonus, carry if you'd have broke the story. <laughs> but sorry, <laughs> I'm my own boss. Huh? So, <laughs> anyhow, <laughs> uh, I decide the bonuses. Yeah. So, uh, anyhow, it's just uh, just how it unfolded, you know. And something like that doesn't it doesn't just happen real easy, you know. So it, we work through it.
1: You know, and I also asked Bob if he's going to write a book, or he's been approached about a book deal, and kind of uh, says he's thought about it. He question like, I don't know if anybody want to read a book about me. I was like, whatever, Bob. You know, you know, you sell a shit ton of books if you wrote a book.
2: Did you guys uh, just walking out of there. See, ever coach again? No, no. I know Gary believes that he will. And that's what made me think of it. And he did Garin... say
1: something about. uh He said something about Coach Spurrier called him to see if he'd be his defensive coordinator in this new league that's forming. And somebody said, uh, Well, how much does it pay? He's like, I don't know, but we got to find that out. <laughs> I don't think he'll ever coach in college again. Yeah.
2: Well, he definitely, I don't think, would ever want to be part of the recruiting circuit. It's just no the way that <laughs> I mean, look at the differences in I the think last he year. He sees
1: what's going on with Lincoln Riley and how you much you got to work your his, ass off. Like Lincoln Riley, he's basically an offensive coordinator and the head of recruiting. That's and he loves I think it. that's how he sees his job at <laughs> OU. Like because I don't think anybody really like if you're if you're like a a, a faculty member or something you probably never see Lincoln Riley cuz he's always doing something planning the next big thing for recruiting or working on the offense. That's yeah. that's really all he does.
2: You see he's been talked to by like 28 NFL teams. There's a report out S SI really? today just about Baker
1: about about Baker and, and then, just and about players. Oklahoma's offense. How it works. Well that was the deal. Like everybody was wanting to talk to Baker about the offense. Yeah.
2: Should be interesting. That's and you uh, watch
1: the stuff that people put out there. I know Josh, you watch a lot of that stuff. But when people that, you know, are really into football or football geeks and they start showing the stuff that he's doing on offense, a lot of times I'm like, Holy shit, I mean like he goes to levels that I that most people don't even think exist on a football field. You
0: can, I mean, like, and I, I won't claim that I can see it all, but you guys know I love to sit there and watch the video and talk about all that crap and, you know, pretend I really know something. But you can watch him do something in the first quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, you're like, damn, he was setting that up three quarters ago. Like, yeah. I mean, he's just thinking so far out in front. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, I, I love his design, but his ability as a play caller—like that's the stuff that just blows me away. Like well, the and, stuff that he does with his like, receivers, yeah. On the Georgia game, you know, they'll, they'll come bring something like that up. That's not to say he's perfect. Yeah. But the the stuff we're not calling about run versus pass just, here. It's just
5: awesome.
1: Yeah. The, the stuff that he does too. It's like, it's like he's screwing with people's minds. It's like, and you can see it. And it's like, I can't believe that this guy goes through all the trouble to screw with someone or just. It shows you like he understands how people see the game, like how they look at it. Like, what a DB, what he, how he sees the game, how the normal flow of a game. Like, if you know what you're doing, this is what you do. And what he does is he says, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. I'm going to do this to screw him up. And he does. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's a long con. He has le- a long there, con. there are levels. Yeah. There are levels to everything
2: Lincoln Riley does.
1: All right, well, let's get out of here. This has been a two-hour pod, emergency pod. I think the great thing is this has something for everybody throughout the rest of the week. It's probably even a little evergreen. You can probably listen to this in two weeks. And I don't know a whole lot will change other than maybe there's another commitment or two. Uh, Quickly, Commitment Watch, Josh and Bob, both of you, your best guess on, as we sit here, Mid-afternoon on Tuesday, what is it, uh, April 17th. the 17th, when's the next commitment coming down for OU?
0: I would be surprised if we go more than 48 hours.
1: Ooh, interesting.
0: Interestingly enough, the the name I'm hearing was not on campus this weekend. Mm. So, just a little, a little something juicy, but... I also will say I'm hearing two names right now that could come down before we pod again.
1: Does that, uh, Is that part of Theo Weiss's two eyeball emoji tweet?
0: I think there could be some connection there. Yeah. <laughs> and this, you know, I know we talked about it privately on the board. I'm not sure if everybody knows about it publicly. Stacy Wilkins told me last week he will announce following his Alabama visit this coming weekend. The two I'm talking about, neither are Stacey Wilkins. So you could literally be talking about three by the time we pod again. By the time we pod again,
1: this entire class might be put together. It's possible. Uh, it's, it's absolutely possible. All right. Uh, Want to remind everybody, we've got a special going on right now. Uh, I'm going to probably extend this, so I'm going I'm to throw this out there. Basically, here's what you do. You pay for a month of Sooner Scoop, and you're going to get access until fall camp starts, or August 1st. Uh, so that's as good a deal as it gets. Uh, one month, it's, it's use promo code uh, OU Spring. OU Spring is the promo code. Pay for a month and get access all the way till August, where it's basically giving you the summer. And there's a lot of crap going on this summer with recruiting. And you guys know recruiting ain't going to end anytime soon with Lincoln Riley. And if, if he fills up 2019, he'll start filling up 2020. I mean that's just that's the way it's going to go around here, which we we're going to be
0: talking 2021 in like October.
1: <laughs> so uh, yeah, we appreciate everybody listening. It was fun having uh, Bob in studio for the first time ever. Thank you, Bob. For, Enjoyed it. Thank for you. Logging your slogging yourself over here, Eddie. Uh, it's been real.
2: We tried to keep it real. I mean, you can joke about. People having strokes these days. It's 2018.
1: Uh, Thank you, Eddie Radosovich, Josh McQuistian. Can't believe this is our life. Uh, Thank you for joining (laughs) us. And we'll see you guys next. Well, I want to say next week, but we might take next week off because I'm on vacation. So I don't know if I want to do a pod or not on vacation. I think I deserve not to do a pod. Uh, So we'll we'll figure it out. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you guys next time right back here on the Unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.